welcome to another episode of the Tokenet Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Yasin, and I'm joined by Max. Hello. Brody. Bon I'm so glad you did that. Thank you. <laughs> Ryan. Hello. I will not be doing that. And Kevin. Hello again. How's everybody doing? I am. Just finished the finale of Saber. Full of energy, despite having not slept. Oh God! And I also, I also recently finished watching the quote-unquote last episode, which is really <laughs> just, oh. which was just so awful. I don't want to talk about it at all. I would, I would like to. It's less than twenty-four hours until *Kamen Rider Revise* premieres, but uh, we're not talking about *Revise*, are we? No. We don't, we do we are... have to? No, we're saving *Revise* for that later. God no. But we, we can talk about how badly made that episode was. <laughs> we'll get into that, but for now, we're going to be talking about *Kamen uh, Rider Saber*, the most recent *Kamen Rider* series to have ended. Uh, it is the second *Reiwa* *Kamen Rider* series. Um, and yeah, it just ended uh, actually two weeks ago, and then they had a bonus episode, and now we have the new season coming out. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to go around the table and say exactly what, what we th- thought in general, our general thoughts of the show, and then we'll sort of dive into the story and characters and all that. Can I Can I go first? Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks. <laughs> I, I since I'm the first the first one, I I wanted to volunteer so that I could also um, give a very brief um, uh, explanation of the um, premise. Um, okay. So so Common Rider Saber is about uh, Toma, who is a writer, and um, that, that, that's that's Wait, writer writer or writer. Well, that's that's <laughs> I was about Wri- to say writer. Pronounce your T's. writer. <laughs> Actually, actually, no. That's fair enough. Let's call him an author. He is a novelist. You guys would novelist. not survive go. in Philly, where we call water water. <laughs> My dad is a proper grammar Nazi, and he would definitely have a field day. Carry on. Point being, Toma is an author who uh, writes novels and grew up really loving books. Um, and he he can't really remember what happened uh, back when he was a kid, but he remember he has this vague memory, this dream that he has of uh, of a girl being sort of sucked into this uh, weird portal and calling for him. And he can't he doesn't know who she is, what her name was, or, or what the deal is. But he has this weird little tiny uh, red plastic book in his hand, and that that's all he's got to uh, connect to that dream. Um, Spoiler alert, that dream is a flashback. Um, and he comes to discover this whole world of uh, the Sword of Logos organization and Wonderworld, which is a sort of like a parallel world. Um, and the Sword of Logos is meant to defend uh, the world and, and, and Wonderworld, I guess, from the Megiddo, who wants to obtain the omniscient tome for reasons. And so you got a bunch of different swordsmen and they all transform using swords. Um, And some of them have belts as part of that. Uh, The main three are, are, they all use the same belt, which is the Seiken sword driver. And they uh, stand, they have elements. So you got your fire, water, electric, there's a rock one, a sound one, um, a candy one. 
Wait, 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 wait. Is this Kamen Rider or Pokemon? That's the thing. Exactly. <laughs> it's basically Super Sentai at this point. If we're doing Pokemon rules... If Kamen Rider Saber were its own, like, self-contained world, like Madoka Magica, you could have a gacha game of just riders in the format of Kamen Rider Saber. Oh, God. Anyway. Anyway, so that's the basic premise, and my take on the series as a whole, and yes, we will be spoiling all of it in this podcast, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, What? Really? I had no idea. If you don't want spoilers, don't listen to this podcast. What do you mean the show is over? We've given you a full week to wait. You can can listen to the the podcast and be spoiled. So my my take is that this, this was... This this show was probably the greatest disappointment I've had in Common Rider. Oh, personally, as as far as overall impression of a show goes, it, it's it's sort of like I was really excited for the book gimmick. They they're they're like, oh, he transforms with the power of books, and I'm like, oh man, there are so many cool ways that you can implement the book theme into weapons and armors and and other things. They they have a holder for the ride books that you can buy that is a literal mini bookshelf, and I love it. And they just did nothing clever with that at all, except in the case of Common Rider Psycho, who is who uses a comic book to transform into like a com- a very comic booky looking pop art type uh rider and it's really cool and i love it like i hadn't seen anything like that since i guess the uh the the manga sword from uh common rider build and so i just i loved going into this show i was so excited for the books i bought the seiken sword driver ahead of time i had so i had plans to collect all the ride books and then they decided that the show was gonna be about swords instead and they just kind of have books and I was very disappointed in that. And then just as the show went on, like early on, I had the impression that it wasn't great. And But I was waiting for it to really get into gear. Usually it takes until after Christmas for that or until the Christmas episode. Um, and so I, I, what I noticed is like going between all the different arcs of the show, Saber has a really hard time transitioning and starting a new arc to where its overarching story suffers. And it's just really disappointing how, you know, I see the pieces of it that could have been good, and they just wasted so much of it in terms of how they plotted out the story and the characters. And it just disappoints me greatly. But I'll leave it there for now. Okay. Um, How about you, Max? So I completely agree 100%. You know, when Saber was announced... And we and they sort of started teasing it just like, oh, my God, that sounds like it'd be brilliant. You know, it's a fantasy themed hero with um, but with books. So there's lots of novels and novel based stories that you could have for power ups. It's sword based. And I love swords and I love medieval history. So I was like, yeah, this is going to be brilliant. And I was just so disappointed in so many ways. Like for me, you know, what um, what was just said about the um, the overarching different arc stuff so for me like i sort of was able to keep myself interested in the first arc up until the first caliber gets wasted um spoiler alert as a warning Mm -hmm. um how many spoiler warnings are we gonna give uh just blanket spoiler warning 
just yeah. get that out of the way. So, um, yeah, so the first arc ends there, and then from there, it's just downhill all the way, and just everything that they... They were trying so many different things early on, especially in, like, episode two and four, where... Oh, oh no, okay, but early on in the series, they had, like, they had, like, fully green screen sets so they could do really clever, like, full cgi backgrounds but have real um fight scenes going on so you could get around like covid and stuff so you could have really good fight scenes and there's some of the designs were interesting and just but they didn't take that anywhere they just took it at face value and then they dropped that almost immediately and so that was like so there's for me a bigger part of it was disappointment and a, and most of it was just like really cringeworthy in terms of like the toys the writing the story from as i said mostly from the from after the first arc but um even bits of the first arc were quite hard to watch um yeah so i basically uh i I finished the whole series i watched it all the way through but there is a lot that i just feel that i just didn't even bother paying attention to just was very easy to skim through and just have it on on in the background and not pay attention I'd like to ask you a follow-up question because sure. you mentioned the CGI backgrounds and how they had this this crazy world, you know, the sort of when they were ri- kind of riding around in Wonder World early on. Yes. And so would you say that it's a pretty big disappointment that they never got into world building within Wonder World at all? <laughs> so I don't know if you mean, if by world building you mean like uh, so I'm disappointed they didn't do more fully CGI world um, fight scenes like they did there. I think oh, I in see. total for the series they, yeah, you know, I think in total for the whole series they had three occasions where they did that. You know, there was episode one where Saber first transforms and then he just falls through the sky and then lands on a big sword and then it's back to the real world. So that was like, okay, what were you, what was the point of that? Episode two, where Blades and Saber team up, and they had like the whole ride, the whole riding on a bike scene, and that could have, that could have brought back rider bikes. You know, Zero One sort of tried to bring back bike riding into Kamen Rider, and Bill did it really well. Saber had a bike. I forgot. Yeah, exactly. You completely uh... forget. He had Saber had a bike for all of two episodes. Blades and Blades had like a sub bike that other riders could also use, but again, only two occasions did they actually use that at all. And if they kept doing the CGI um, full green screen world stuff, they could have like really brought back full riding scenes that um, happen in big scale, and it would have come out because because Japan has a big issue. I think it may have been talked about before, but with filming driving and bike related scenes, there's a big issue where basically that even big film studios aren't allowed to use most major roads to shoot those scenes. They have like, I think there's three or four roads in the entire country where they can do that. Um, wow. Pretty, basically if you rewatch drive and see all the scenes where they do the car driving stuff, that's every, that's every scene where you can do a bike, a bike or a driving scene in the country. Um, right. And so that was just, dis- that was just sadly disappointing. This, I, I'm going to add a, add a caveat. So, with Saber, if Saber had just been Saber, if it hadn't been Kamen Rider, it could have. Been, I could have gone into this and been just like, okay, that's this is this is a good original Tokusatsu show. But because it's Kamen Rider, you put, because it has the name Kamen Rider, 
you put it against that the tropes and you like you're looking for like okay how is this a common rider not just another random show and they just didn't do it just very quickly just completely forgot everything to do with rider like in a way that's in a way that was really worse than a lot of other recent shows have done like zero one did it really well but um like geo and um just so many series these days they just completely forget that they're carmen rider and that means that there are certain rules that you have to follow and they just don't bother with that at all anymore it's really sad Um, i disagree with you with that a little bit um i think the while you are correct um just to get on a quick tangent with that the biggest victims of like if we're purely talking about the name is common rider and they are not riding on a bike the ones that speak out to me of current times is build and saber geo used it a lot zero one used it a lot exade for obvious reasons cough cough christmas episode they could not use a bike for a good portion of it okay i'm gonna argue strongly that build had a lot more bike scenes than geo geo as far as i remember had one scene where he they also had the time machine so that was their main mode of transportation well yeah but then even after that they didn't bring the bike back for anything build like even right, in human right, form yeah, yeah. build uses bike a lot but we're not here to talk about build we're here to talk about saber so <laughs> yes sorry <laughs> uh, yeah and then uh going back to the cgi fight scenes um I think the only other time they did that was when the was with the first Kenzan versus um, Disaster. That's his name, right? The um, Kaiju. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Thanks. Um, the first, their first fight scene, which again was really well done because they could do more because they weren't limited by location and by like set times and stuff, so they could just ha- go all out. And it was really, it was a, that was a really good fight scene. And we it never was. saw anything again after that, ever. The only It's just such a waste of, like, what was the point of doing it in the first place if you're not going to do it properly? Hmm. Yeah, sorry, so, yeah, that's my rant over. A first rant over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Ryan, do you want to you go ahead and say your opinions? I will say they did their best producing during a global pandemic. Uh, it was very obvious that this was shot during COVID. Um, some things that I couldn't help but to notice, um, just to start off, comparing Saber to Kira Major, which was the Sentai series that was going on when it first came out, um, there was a big deficit of extras in Saber is one thing that I couldn't help but to notice whenever there was a, whenever there was a city shot and people were running away, it was like three people or sometimes even none Kier major. They, uh, they sometimes had up to like 20 people or, you know, 20 plus people that were on the set as well. And, you know, you work with what you get. That's understandable, but it was one of those things that it was just, you can, you, you can tell that, you know, the pandemic kind of hit production on that a little bit. Um, my overall opinions on it, it was fine. Um, I have no shame in saying that the finale actually made me cry. So uh, I wish, I wish 
that the entire series had the same impact as the last five episodes. And I'll leave my opening statements at that right now. Okay. Uh, Kevin, what about you? Uh, overall, I, overall, I enjoyed Saber. It had a bunch of weak spots, lots of holes for sure. Um, but for the most part, I enjoyed, uh, the show overall. Um, I think the characters were probably the strongest part of the show for me. Mm -hmm. I agree. But there were too many of them. 100%. Yeah. They kept adding more. I can agree with characters overwriting. Um, like the yeah. characters themselves are quite, most of them were quite good. Yeah, like I, I enjoyed the characters for who they were and how most of them developed. But then because of how big the cast was, some of them just did not develop by the end of the show, which is kind of sad. We call this the, the, the hammy dilemma. Cough, cough, Reka. They did her dirty. Oh, goodness. Both her and... What's the, was her brother Yoga? Oh, those two were so, like, really... <laughs> they deserved so much more. There was so much potential for both of them. There really was. But, um, anyway, so... Overall... Overall characters were the, my, for my favorite part. And I'm... I, and I think this finale... You know, for all the problems that Saber had as a show, I, I think this finale was probably one of my favorites in a long time. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah, that was definitely one of the best finale. Uh, okay, I'm just going to make it clear. We're not talking about the, the series. No, no, not final the bonus episode. episode. We're, talking about, we're talking about the last not, episode. Yeah, we're talking about the real final episode, which episode I completely 47. agree. That, that final... Yeah, so that, that episode was definitely one of the the best endings to a Kamen Rider series ever. Um, yeah. Definitely a top 10 for me, just because I have standards. But um, anyway, um, but yeah, I completely agree. And I want to add um, something that I remembered about with from the comment with Reika and Hyoga. So one thing that I really picked up on with this series, like for this year specifically, was that there was a lot more social media related um, stuff going on with the show, like a lot more of the like the whole thing they did with Disaster, where he stopped appearing in the show, but um, the series actually kept taking his costume to various locations and doing stuff with him just for comic stuff, for comedic stuff, just to post on Twitter. And um, oh. yeah, and they and there was a lot more like stuff from like Ryuka and Hyoga, especially they posted a lot of stuff from set. Way uh, on their social media accounts, which was actually I actually quite enjoyed seeing. Like I was, um, it was something interesting. I don't know how well it affects the series as a whole, but um, it was just like that was an interesting bit to see. It feels like you know that like it was just fun, just a fun bit for the show for me. I wonder if that was due to COVID, where they could not actually go to events and stuff very often or easily. I mean, it could have been that. I, I for like disaster was a particularly uh, going back to one of the disappointments for a big part of the middle of the series was that disaster was a really cool character and they completely forgot about him after the end of the first arc and then the, and then the only thing you ever saw about him was on Twitter where he for some reason was just laying about on a bench somewhere. Okay, that kind of explains a bit of my confusion because I just I I always got I got him confused with uh, Legio I guess. 
for some reason i thought that was him and then it wasn't and i was like wait then who's this person and then they were gone and then they kept hanging around uh, ren for a long time and i didn't know why and i i don't understand disaster kind of kind of returned out of nowhere that was a really that was another really like odd bit with the story as well i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about a couple of bits uh, if it's all right i want to talk about a couple of bits with the story that were re- that really struck home to me as being what was the point of this well, actually, I, I wanted to get my thoughts out there before we like. Oh, dive yeah, into sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry, I forgot. I forgot we hadn't. Ha- I forgot we hadn't finished. Um, sorry, go ahead. My bad. No, no, it's cool, cool. Though I wanted to say, Kevin, are you are you done with your sh- thoughts I, first? I'm, I'm basically done. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, very quickly, um, I've said it in a previous podcast. I think last year when we talked about like Tokusatsu of like 2020, I, I believe we talked about, and mm-hmm. uh, Saber was just starting. It was like maybe f- six or seven episodes in. And I remember really, like, not liking the show at all. Like, I remember liking the suits when it first got announced. and But I didn't really care about the... I guess I didn't get excited about the book aspect of it. I don't know. I just... I was I just was like, okay, let's see what they do with it. Um, but I just remember not liking any of the setup for it. Uh, I didn't like how they used... How they did the action. Um, Max, you said that you liked, you liked the potential of the cg backgrounds i hated the backgrounds i absolutely hated the cg like i understood what they were doing i know it's for covid but i just feel like they didn't use it well like the the characters never looked like they were actually in the world it always looked like a composite like a really bad composite to me i don't know it just some reason didn't work and i was actually glad that they got rid of the cg backgrounds i'm also i was also glad they got rid of the uh cg like transformation sequences when they do the whole like they're in the library or whatever and it has a big bug and bone and all the stuff yeah that was a lot yeah i really hated those so i liked it when they condensed it to like just a book behind them and they're still in location and then they do the henshin it was like that's that worked a lot better for me um but yeah i i I actually gave up on the show for a long time uh i just was like i had no interest i'm done i'll look at something i'll watch something else um but then I, uh, I started hearing people say that it was actually picking up. So I started to pick up from like episode six or seven, and it started to get. I was like, okay, it's not terrible. And then once, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, the first uh, caliber died, mm-hmm. and talked to uh, Toma about like his actual mission or whatever. That's there was like a, someone who was uh, a traitor in the organization. They're like, okay, this is kind of getting interesting, but then it started to like drag on for a while. Um, but then it slowly started to pick up, and like you know, <laughs> watching the show for this podcast, I'm gonna be honest. Plot twist: I actually enjoyed the show by the end of the, by the end of it. Like, oh, I was good digging for you. it. I'm happy for you. Yeah, it, it was definitely a kind of show where you it was easier to watch it in chunks instead of weekly. Well, that's the thing. I could see it, like especially in the the first half. I could see that being more digestible as a marathon. But I feel like once it got into the second half, for me, it was a lot easier to watch in general. Um, mm-hmm. There's still a lot of things that I just don't understand. And it's like, there are, <laughs> there are plot holes and stuff. But like Kevin said, like characters were the main thing. And that's the one like, this is the show more than anything else. It took me a very, very long time to like any of the characters. Like, even in, like, the late 20s, early 30s, I was like, I only care about maybe two people on this show. 
Um, by the end, I was like, mm. okay, I I like maybe like seventy percent of the characters in this show. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I ended up, I ended up liking it. It's definitely not any of my top. Like, it's nowhere near my top list of favorite common writer shows at all. Um, but it was it was enjoyable. I think it's probably better than Zero One. So I don't know. I argue that, but mm. that's not the point. I would argue with that strongly. It no, there's, there's, def- there's definitely argument to be had, but for me, I think I had. <laughs> we'll have to do a, yeah. a, a debate podcast in the future. That's not a promise. Oh, goodness. Yeah. That's called a bloodbath, not a debate. <laughs> <laughs> That's like walking into an American comic book store and saying which superhero would win in a fight. You would just get a bloodbath. Oh, dear. Would that only be an American comic book shop? Is that only an American? Americans are the only ones who will like walk up to people and punch them in the face. It's true. Okay, let's, let's, put, let's put it this way. I don't, I don't see Japanese fans arguing... Who is stronger, Luffy or Goku? <laughs> True. <laughs> I don't even think England has many comic, enough comic book stores for it to be no, noticeable. <laughs> Fair. Fair. And it's, it's England, remember. We're polite. So, so getting a little back on topic, I, uh, I, yes. I have some uh, disagreements uh, with... Um, I, I, or less disagreements and more just like I saw things differently. I experienced things differently than how Yas did. Um, yeah. So like early on for me, for me, you guys were saying that maybe it would be better as a binge. Um, but I, I, I found those for early episodes like incredibly underwhelming. And it would, it's a situation where um, when I watched the first episode of Zero One, for instance, I wasn't hooked it seemed very like t- quote unquote typical for common rider really? the the way the way that they had set up that very first episode of zero one but then you get it, like like i don't know just something about oh i'm not a hero someone comes to you and offers you the belt it's like oh i don't know uh, if I want that responsibility, and then they see someone in danger and they get that glint in their eye. Oh, give me that belt! That 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 was Zero One's first episode in a nutshell. Um, but the second episode <laughs> is where they really got me. It was more like Zero One went for a two-part uh, intro, and the the second episode introduced like the dynamics with Ames and Vulcan, and it was really fascinating. And by the end of the episode, I was hooked. So. When I was watching um, Saber, by comparison, I found those early episodes incredibly underwhelming to where, you know, early, like, maybe the first three episodes were fine, because I I, I don't know if it was episode three or four where they introduced uh, Buster, but, like, he... Okay, okay. So, um, so they introduce Buster, and he is cool dad, and he gets two full episodes of development, and, and it was so, they, they, they really took the time to get people attached to Buster and nobody else got that treatment early on. They just kept throwing characters at us, probably just in an attempt to make sure that they can introduce all the Wonder Ride books by Christmas in case a, uh, <laughs> in, in, yeah. in, ca- in case there were a, uh, uh, another hiatus or something. But like marketing, though. But I really, I really think that was the wrong approach, and I and I do want to go into more detail about about that. But more to the point of how I was feeling about those early episodes in general. 
I found that watching more than one or maybe two episodes a week when I was falling behind was really difficult because you got to put into perspective. I was also simultaneously watching uh, the, the the late game of Kira Major and Ultraman Z, and those are some fantastic shows. They make me want to keep watching, yes. but Saber just kept dropping the ball in that early game, and so I wasn't I wasn't really feeling it. Um, but I, I do I do want to point out though um, I said that this was my biggest disappointing like Saber is my biggest disappointment of Common Rider but I mean that doesn't really mean I didn't like it at all um, it's just I had high hopes for it and it dropped the ball so hard that it shattered. I I I mean that's what I feel about Zero One honestly like Zero One I I, agree, I disagree like I thought the first episode was really well done. And, like, the first handful of episodes really set up something that uh, I felt like they could have, like, went in some really interesting direct directions, if done right. Um, I mean, part of the reason it didn't is because of COVID. Like, they lost some time. So you can't really put it against them. But I do feel like before the pandemic, they, they did stuff that just, like, really dropped the ball. So by the time I, uh, by the time we get to the end, I was just, like, I was enjoying it for what it was, but I wasn't. I didn't really have my hopes as high as I did in the beginning. Uh, with with Saber, my bar was super low by the time I got to like the fourth episode. <laughs> like the fourth, yeah. like those four, ep- those four or five episodes in the beginning, for me are terrible. Like I just, they were so boring, and like I just, it, I didn't care about anything going on in the show, and also, I mean. Maybe it's because of the COVID restrictions, but the action wasn't great uh, in the beginning. It just it just felt like a very disappoint disappointing show, and also like I don't know, it just felt like it was a, it was a, it was a kind of a mess, and it took them a while to figure out what they wanted to do. Um, I, when I say that uh, the the first parts are easier to binge, I, I'm basically talking about like once Caliber dies up until. Um, about maybe the mid to late twenties, something like that. Mm-hmm. Those parts are like once you, if you binge those, it like really helps. I feel like the first ones are really hard to get through binge or not. <laughs> I, I do I do agree. The show definitely was like finding its footing uh, going into that second arc, um, but um, yeah, I I I don't know. I I have some thoughts outlined about those two arcs but uh if i i don't want to i don't want to step on anyone's toes here i mean i may have jumped the gun by saying that i that i think this is better than zero one i just feel like they may cancel each other out <laughs> they may cancel each other out because there's parts that i really love about zero one like the like characters i love i liked a lot more than in saber but Let, let's let's keep confusing. it just saber let's keep it a saber let's keep it a saber yeah Let's stick with Saber. I'm not going to compare... My, my comments are not going to compare to Zero One because I've, you know... Okay, I'm just going to move on and just say um, I want to raise two topics that um, that you just reminded me of. So first of all, yeah. um, completely agree with the characters, especially Buster, because that was a really interesting... Because he was a really cool character and he had the coolest suit in the show. Buster was great. He was one of the strongest mm. characters. Okay, so now the two points I want to bring. Um, so um, Yasin, you mentioned the action. Um, so one of yeah. the things uh, when the show was getting geared to start was they talked about how different 
different riders have different like the different names and they would have different swords and weaponry like yes it's for right. toys but one thing i was really hoping to see was because there's all these different swords there might be different sword styles like it wouldn't just yeah. be the traditional like tokusatsu way of just like flailing it all over the place like maybe they would right. be they might develop fighting styles for each of the riders that would match their weaponry like so buster's got right. a big ass sword so he would use that for big cuts we kind of got but that also we got that a little bit but i've but especially with the core three riders so uh saber blades and espada, um, espada yeah so they were just traditional tokusatsu fighting styles for me just very dull just like mm-hmm. flailing it about the place um, with the exception of the two-part Sakamoto episodes, which was seven and eight, I believe, um, where Saber gets his first like three book all red form, and you get and all the and all, those three get their full like three book forms. Um, that was the best. That was the highlight of the series for me. Was that two-parter? It's also the first episode where where they introduce uh, Slash. Um, mm-hmm. But Slash was again and one of the things that really disappointed me was that. He's called Slash, but he uses a gun. <laughs> I, I yeah. just feel like that was just lazy naming sense. When I heard that there was a Kamen Rider called Slash coming along, I thought, oh my god, is it going to be like a Bato-style user? Where like he has to keep sheathing his sword, and that, and when he draws his sword, that opens the book, and he has to put it back in the sheath to then do another sword. Oh. And you could sort of see... You could sort of see in his fighting style when he was using it as a sword, you could sort of see that was there. Like, maybe they yeah, thought about yeah. that a bit. But I just feel like that was just a disappointment. Another disappointment. Um, yeah, it could have been like a Shinken Gold kind of thing. Exactly. Think about exactly. it this way with... Uh, if I can intervene for a second with Slash. Think about it. He also had the motif of music as well. Oh, yeah. Okay, music music in a, a gingerbread house. So it wasn't, wasn't going to be exciting. Low-key Guns N' Roses with the Slash reference. Um, that's reaching... <laughs> That is reaching a lot, but, you know, you got to justify it somehow. I mean, Mega Man characters were named for music genres originally. You know, it's possible. Rock, roll, and the blues, yeah? Okay, I suppose I I can accept that. Okay, I can accept (laughs) that, but, yeah. And, uh, okay, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave that there. I'm gonna come back onto, like, the um, toys and stuff in a bit, because I want to talk about that as well. Um, But, Yasin, and you guys also mentioned the transition to arcs. And one of the biggest disappointments and the bits, the bit where the show just lost it for me was yeah. the transition into the second arc where, um, like, so Calibur's died and Saber's now looking for the traitor within the Sword of Logos. Yes. Um, and this is where Reika first appears. So mm. here's what I saw. We see a woman who just claims to be from a second half of the organization that none of these other Kamen Riders have met. She turns up and she sort of whispers in their ears, hey, this guy that you've just spent the last 10 episodes fighting to save the world alongside, who who you've risked your life for and who you agree is your friend, he's actually the bad guy. And they don't even bat an eye and just like, yes, he is the bad guy. We're all going to turn our backs on him and we're all just going to start trying to kill him. That was just, what were they thinking? That was so everyone st- in that arc was comically stupid, and I could not stand the middle of Saber because of that. Exactly, like that whole that whole bit where it's just like they instantly turn their backs and they have to like come back to like 
that Saber's going to win their trust over. You just spent 10 episodes saving the world together. How do you need to rebuild trust after that just because some saucy bid comes along and whispers in your ear a little bit? <laughs> oh. I mean, I think Rintaro's struggle was probably the most believable given his context. Given he's an idiot. Yeah. Okay, Rintaro was just an idiot for the entire show. And I, I could sort of see... I know where you're going with this. It's because like he was raised by the organization, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I can accept that in a way, but all of his writing scenes were just like so cringe-worthy. I didn't say it was good. I just said that Rintaro was more believable. Okay, okay. okay I suppose, it's made yeah. sense. Okay, I can agree with that. I can agree with believable. So, friends... Um, I, uh, I, 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 I appreciate, I appreciate your, um, your friends. <laughs> oh, right, that's right. Never make the mistake of thinking these people are your friends. Uh, so this is in the middle of the podcast where everyone betrays everyone. <laughs> yes. You, you can't see it, but we're each pointing a pistol at one another. Russian roulette style. No, swords. swords. Is oh, yeah. Sword. Well, one Sword, of them is, yes. one of them is also a pistol. It's okay. a sword okay. that but is what, also a gun. What's the point you're trying to make? Okay, go back to the point you're trying to make. What okay. is the point you're trying to make? The point I'm trying to make, um, I, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm for that bit. I'd like to back it up very briefly just so that we can talk a little bit about um, the first arc a little a little more. I have some thoughts. Um, okay, yeah, let's go back to the first arc. Then. Yes, yes. So um, I, me- I mentioned that, uh, that I-, I got the sense that there was this um, this rush to introduce all of the northern base swordsmen just out of a fear of another hiatus, and I thought that was the wrong approach because I felt like the ride books didn't have to be introduced with their main user. Um, instantly and fully revealing those characters um, isn't necessarily important. Like you could you could maybe have a rider show up, but you don't hear their name, you don't see them in action, you, or maybe you just see them use the ride book, and that's it. Or, yeah. or, or they pass Toma a ride book to use once and then they take it back. They didn't have to shove all the characters into that short chunk of time. Um, if, if, if that was all just to introduce the ride books in time for Christmas, they didn't have to give us a bajillion names and relationship dynamics to remember in order to accomplish that. But, you know, apart from that, you know, it's the beginning of the show and killing the pacing by rushing to deliver information and introduce characters hurts the overall experience. So I just, I just yeah, felt I like, agree I, with that completely. I feel like if, if the concern was over a hiatus, it's, it's, they, they were taking the wrong approach in trying to be that proactive about it because they're hurting the overall experience. Anyway, they could have, if, if a hiatus did have to come up, it's the beginning of the show. They have X amount of time to, you know, figure out how to rearrange things later but establishing the beginning is kind of important so i kind of wish they hadn't done that wait do do we actually know that it was that they were rushing because they were afraid of it no i think i I think i think we're speculating I, i think we're speculating i think it's more likely it was to do with like getting a bunch of toys on the shelves for christmas but i can i can agree there may have been concerns about a hiatus because that was a point of the year where the numbers were going up again it caused issues right. for zero one, so yeah. But I, I, I think it's more likely it was the Christmas thing, probably. But I can see your point set, and I wouldn't be surprised if that was what happened. I feel like it was maybe right, right. a bit of it. It was potential. So I, I say I feel like I, I speculate that it could have been a bit of both, <laughs> and I and I say 
this with the most vague, you know, I don't know what happened. I wasn't there and I don't know. Yeah. No one has told me what's what happened there. This is just guessing. But, you know, mo- moving on beyond that, um, you know, talking about right. Kento's death. Because, oh my goodness, they tried to pull a common Rider laser. Um, for those who didn't watch, um, well, I'm not going to tell you the details. of. I think a lot of people know who... Hey, Christmas episode. Who watch, hey, Christmas. Who if this, you've no. seen the, the Kamen Rider XA Spoiler Christmas alert. special, you you know what I'm talking about. But um, point Spoiler being... Spoiler alert. Yellow Riders are normally bad news bears. So there's, so there's three main... Oh, God, yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh, so there's three main issues with trying to do Kento's death the way they did. Number one is we had no time to get attached to Kento, even with the connection to Toma, because every I other swordsman, every other swordsman took focus away from their relationship because they were trying to shove in all those characters. Number two, we had no time to get attached to Toma because he had no focus on his in his own show while we were introduced to the other swordsmen. At the yep, very agree completely with that. Yeah, yeah, and at the very least, like we're supposed to care about Kento because Toma does, but that doesn't work if we don't care about Toma. And number three, number three about why this doesn't work, Kento is in the opening and ending and is part of the trio that uses the main belt. He was always coming back, especially since yep. Toei showed their hand in X-Aid. Like, that was the wrong time to kill off a main <laughs> character if their intent was to trick us or make us sad. There there was no investment. There was no reason to fall for that trick. I completely, 100% agree with you. I mean, in that, was it in the same episode or the one after where they showed him in the, like, Dark World or whatever that crap was called? Uh, I think it was the episode afterwards. Yeah, it was, it was the next episode. Oh, was it? Next oh, episode, God. okay. There was also the bit in the, um, when he quote unquote died, they did do the bit during the um, ending credits where, you know, you know, in that one shot where, you know, there's that big giant mug and like, it's that oh, yeah. set where they're like, Oh, let's play hide and yeah. seek. He was the only one there for that. So it was good symbolism on, okay. His character is clearly coming back and it, this is just, you know, it, it's just a facade at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I just feel, feel like, you know, they're trying to get us in the feels, and it didn't work, and it was never going to work. I feel like I'm the opposite a little bit. Like, he was the only character that I actually was slightly connected to by that point. I w- I'm I didn't full care invested in Kento else. through the entire thing. I was like, if this dude dies at the end of the series, I'm going to be pissed off. You didn't care about Buster? No, I honestly, okay, so I mentally prepared in my mind that because Buster was a tokusatsu dad, that he was not going to make it out the end of the franchise. And I was like, <laughs> like, like hard, hard stop at like episode three. I'm like, this dude's not making out of this series alive. And I had a very, <laughs> I had a very fun headcanon, which I kind of wish they, I would have loved to be in this timeline where Buster dies. Hear me out. Hear me out. I know this is crazy. Buster dies, and then his son, Sora, becomes the new Buster. The Sword of Logos has that hyperbolic time chamber, whatever you want to call it, where time works differently. What if he's in there for like three days training, and then he comes out the same age as everyone else, fully trained to be the new Buster? I I 100% <laughs> saw that coming. I completely agree. I would have exactly what I thought. I would have not been surprised at all if that's what they did. 
Um, I completely agree. That's that was entirely visible. I could see that. I would have ate that up. So Toei, this is us asking for a V Cinema, I think. Yeah, V Cinema well, well, Buster's son one. takes up the man- mantle. Don't you don't have to kill the first Buster. You just have to ha- have his <laughs> son take up the mantle eventually. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would like that better. I wouldn't. I would have liked him training for three days. It comes comes out like fifteen years older. <laughs> Like I don't think that would work. It'd be it'd be silly, but like time worked differently in that in that chamber. Some Power Rangers Turbo Blue Ranger stuff right there. And to be fair, when has Toei ever cared about continuity? True. True. Yeah. Cough, cough. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I. I I felt very atta- like I was starting to get attached to him, and actually, like Kento was the one that was making me, like, look at Toma, like, oh, okay, maybe he's an interesting character, because Toma wasn't giving me anything on his own. He's fine. (laughs) I love the way you describe that. I completely agree with you guys, and I agree that, like, for the first arc, especially, Kento was the more interesting, like, the more protagonist character. Like, you watched him, you watched his story, you watched him develop. And it goes back to Buster, like, Buster was, Buster was a brilliant character, but there wasn't really room for him to grow. Like he was already like a dad, like he was sort of at the end of his story, which is why I come <laughs> seeing him dying. But like even throughout the series, like it, you, you have to agree, like Buster didn't really develop further. He was the same as when he started, as when he ended. Oh, for sure. No, nah, he, he was just kind of, he was just kind of there to be the one to say like, let's do it. Let's just go and yeah. do it. Like he was just kind of the guy who was yeah. like very aggressive and into it, but he yeah. didn't really like, do anything outside of his intro. He was the dad that moved really. the plot, and that's it. Yeah, and Kento had more like Kento had more room to grow. He had this whole story arc of where he was going. Like I, I watched the show, wanting to see more of what Kento was going to do throughout the series. But even for most of the show, Toma was just a very bland character. I kept forgetting. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's the protagonist. He's got to be doing stuff, and it's just like. I wanted to see what here what Kento was doing. I wanted to see what like Buster was doing. I didn't really, I wasn't invested in Toma as a protagonist. Well, going off of that, um, I think when we first when we when we first meet Kento in the series, that's probably the first time that we actually had a sense of the stakes of the fight. Sorry, I, yeah. I you reminded me of something else that I wanted to talk about with that with Kento. Um. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I keep ranting. I promise I'll try to stop. But um <laughs> so when when this show starts, there's this big thing about how Toma doesn't have his memories of a child. So then how the hell after two seconds does he immediately remember, oh hey, you're my childhood friend. Oh, but wait, why do I know why do you know him? Like if you memories don't have any thing. memories of your childhood, surely you wouldn't know who Kento is at all. Did he not have memories of his childhood, or he did not have memories? I of... thought he just didn't remember who Luna was. I thought he just didn't know no, the he, incident he, and he the girl. Had, yes. He had a lot of amnesia regarding his childhood. Yeah. Uh, okay, mm. but I, I still feel that, like, again, he shows up instantly, and he instantly knows. Oh, hey, you're this guy who's um, who's like my friends, and it's just like, where have you been all this time? Like, there, there wasn't really. There was, that connection was weak at the start. It was fine towards the end, but it was started weak for me. Amnesia is a very tricky thing to show in it, to portray in any kind of show. Fair enough. Because you know, yeah. because you know, it's very because memory is just such a tricky thing to work with. 
um, like 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 small things will trigger your memory for certain events that you wouldn't have imagined connecting the two. Right. It wasn't really used very well for the purpose it should be used. And I agree with that, but I'm just trying to make the point out. Okay. There there wasn't there wasn't a lot of time to smooth it out given how rushed the first part of the show was. Which is exactly what I've been saying is wrong with it. <laughs> oh my goodness. It just keeps coming back to all the same problems. It, it, it affects everything. It's a, it's a domino effect. And, and like, yeah. you, you know, the, the entire arc um, had a lot of... Re- it, it felt like, you know, towards the end of that first arc, it was all about the reveals that could have happened 20 to 25 episodes into the show. But... Be, and, and and but because you know the, of the split focus and the rapid pacing, you know we don't really have all that much time to want to to sit and wonder who Caliber is or what his motives were. I, I, I just it did get revealed very quickly. Like they could have spaced that arc out, and it would have been quite good to see that as like the first, not the first arc, but the first half of the show. Like before they get into the whole like who's the traitor bit, and then it felt like they were trying to do too much in one show. This is this is something mm-hmm. that I feel like I've I've been noticing more and more that common rider kind is is sometimes having issues with is splitting up the show into too many arcs without enough focus on an overarching narrative. Um, so like you know I mean when when we finally when we do finally uh find out what. Um, the motives Caliber had were his entire quest ends up getting completely dropped as a subplot and the story bends over backwards to say, oh, he was actually trying to fight back against the tr- the traitorous Master Logos when he really wanted the omniscient t- tome to learn some mind-bending truth about the world. Like, th- 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 Am I the only one who remembered that? Oh, God, yes. I forgot about that. That was like, that was really weird. Like, Okay, so you're going to destroy the world to get a tome to tell you the knowledge to find out who the traitor is. Doesn't that sort of not work? Wait, was that what... You're saying that's what uh, Tomo was going after? No, 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 no. So Caliber. Caliber. Caliber's entire first thing Caliber. in that first arc was he wanted to get the omniscient tome. He was he was driven... He was, he was desperate enough to get the omniscient tome to find out some mind-bending truth about the world. And he was desperate enough to kill for that truth... And then he's just like, there's a traitor in the organization. And it's like, hold on. Hold on. Those two, I those feel like connect. you jumped through some loops. To, 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 what, what logic did he have to jump through to get to the conclusion, I need the omniscient tome? There was so much bad logic in the writing of this show completely. Like, it was so many things were done just for let's not, let's not forget that at the very beginning, uh, Caliber was aligned with uh, Storius and company. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That, 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 that is, that, yeah, it's easy so, to forget so about the, that. So, so the so the tome was, you know, their shared their shared quest, yeah. their shared goal. That's true. That's the thing, and, and that's another problem. So, okay, here here's where the real problem comes in then, because I think that we would all agree that the second plot arc is where things picked up, but at the same time, it shifted focus so far from where things originally were going that by the time we finally get back to that it's like things don't make sense anymore 
it's it, so it's like original originally caliber was trying to get the omniscient tome and it was probably the the, the megido who are trying to push him in that direction um because they want the omniscient tome for uh for their malicious purposes but wasn't master logos actually pushing him because he was manipulating both calibers yes yes sort of yeah <sighs> like that's how we what we find out later on is that he was manipulating both kento's father and uh, the original saber for his bidding so yeah. it feels like it feels like when he was saying there's a traitor it's because he knew he was being manipulated right so then what truth did he need from the omniscient tome if he knew that to know who it is he didn't know who it was he just knew that it was happening oh jeez. but again that means that means he was going to try to destroy the world to find out who the traitor was in the organization of the world that would have then been destroyed I didn't say it was good. I was just saying I'm trying to figure out what they're doing. <laughs> let's go to another chapter of the story okay, here. Okay, let's, okay. let's move on to yeah. the second arc. We're all, in, we're all in agreement that the first arc was a mess logically, yes. writing-wise, etc., etc. No, I think we're all, all agree we have different views. Well, I think we can agree we have different views in general. I, for one, liked the first arc more than the rest of the show, but, I, but there okay. are very big writing issues with the show. The writing for Saber as a series in general was just such a problem. There were so many lines that were just cringeworthy and so many times where they just weren't bothering to write lines at all. It was just like, Luna! Toba! Saber! It's just that. Many, many times of that. There's, there's a lot of tokusatsu that does that, though. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I suppose I can argue. That. That's a thing. What I will say is that I, I remember something that uh, George brought up. I think it was on Twitter or something like that. Or maybe it was in Discord. I don't know. Uh, that he said that uh, the main writer of the show, the credited main writer, didn't write most of the show. Yeah. He, he basically got replaced by the latter half of the show. But I thought, didn't he come back for the end of it or no? Uh, no, no. Someone else wrote the ending of the show. Oh, someone else wrote it. Okay, got you. Okay, that explains a lot. You know that writing award that that Toma got at the end that was named for the replacement writer? Yeah, the Hasegawa Keiichi Award. Oh, that's the replacement writer. Yep. Yeah, the basically the guy who wrote the end of the show wrote wrote himself in as wow. giving as no having no award shot, named really? for himself to oh give to Toma. Oh my god! I love that energy. I mean, you know, credit to him. That's a good. That's a, that's a sneaky thing to do. But just he does that. Uh, just such lazy writing. I'm just saying it now. Blanket lazy writing. So, not everywhere. Not everywhere. There were some good parts. I will agree. But most of. But there were some lazy writing bits. A lot. But I mean, right. But clearly, something behind the scenes was going on with the writing yes. team, where yeah. our head writer could not continue writing for the show. Yeah. And someone else took the helm. Here's my thing with the writing. When I comment on how I don't like the writing of Saber, it's much less about the the moment to moment, you know, scenes and lines that they're saying, and much more about the overall structure of the story, because there are some structural problems, and I think yeah. that what we'll find as we discuss, you know, the second arc, is that a recurring problem in Saber is transitioning into and out of each arc. So, you know, the, the beginning, we talk about how rough it is um, getting introduced to all those characters. That's, you know, transitioning into that first arc. That's a really rough go at, about it. And then we're transitioning into the second arc where um, 
everyone turns against Toma at the suggestion of Reika, who is saying, "Hey, look, look at look at Toma. For these for these um, vague reasons, he's probably the traitor." Even though you don't know who I am, just trust that this is what I'm. This is the truth. Yeah, I, I, the way I remember it is is Toma was trying to say there's a traitor in the organization, and so he was trying, you know, sort of stepping back from the organization. But then the organization is pointing its finger right back at Toma, like, "Hey, look at him. He's betraying us." Well, the thing is, the thing, the thing that I, what I remember is that, I mean, because the reason why he thinks that is because of his fight with Caliber. Oh, right. Which was in another in another location, and Caliber is the one who said, "There's a traitor. Be careful." And yeah. when he comes back, he tells everybody else, "There's a traitor," and they say, "Who said it?" Caliber. It's like you're gonna believe Caliber. Like Caliber was yeah. the bad guy. You're telling us that someone's in our organization is a traitor, but you're believing the uh, you're the believing guy we've been fighting the, whole time. the people right. who we thought the person who was like suspected so to that, be an actual traitor. That made traitor. sense to me. Sure. Okay, I can I can see that. I can see that, and I agree with that. But again, it still comes back to the thing, like, maybe they didn't have to trust Saber, or maybe Saber could have... But even Saber's way of going about it was just really weird. Like, it just like he made, he made himself look like the bad guy, which made it easier for Reika to manipulate the other ones. Yeah. Did he make himself look like the bad guy? I mean, that's how it felt for me, especially in that first... The first episode of the second arc, where everyone turns on him... It, he sort of like mumbled his way through. He didn't explain his reasoning. He's just like, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm, but I think there's a traitor, and he's just like, um, but it, but still, I feel like that would have been smoother had Raker not had had there been something to make the other riders turn against Saber, other than Raker turning up. Because yeah. I feel like the order was the wrong way round. If they if there had been a few episodes of Toma like doing something that was weird, like maybe letting Megidor live. Or maybe he was like investigating the organization and doing something that would draw suspicion on him more for a couple of episodes before right. Baker turns up and says, "Hey, he's the he's the real bad guy." That would have been more believable. I mean, he did let Megido live. That's why Rintaro was so conflicted. And he was investigating the logo, which is what made him even more sus. So, but it was all in one episode. Uh, two or three. Was it? Here's the thing is everyone turned against him pretty quickly, even without those extra bits of, you know, you know the, the, the Megiddo yes. that was made from a person. They, they, they turned against him before that. They, like, they were, they were like, yeah. raising their eyebrows at him yeah. and be, like, and, like, like stepping back. And it's, it's, it's kind of like, uh, how, how should I explain this? Um, basically... Everyone's being comically stupid. Well, yes, pretty, yes. pretty much. Um, it was, it was Toma saying, oh, you know, Caliber said that there's a traitor in the organization, and Reika used that as the sole reason that they should be suspicious of Toma being a traitor, and it's just like, that's that's not a reason, what? You, you, you literally just spent how long getting to know this guy, and you're going to immediately assume he's evil? Okay, what I remember is Reika saying that Toma's after power and more power, and that's why he's evil. Yeah. I don't remember him saying, like, he's the actual traitor, because he wasn't in the organization to betray them. No, that's right. Yeah, So and it's just like, Reika comes like, yeah, he's after power, you've got to stop him. And just like, no, he isn't, you've just spent ten episodes sh- uh, proving he or not. he's not after power, he's trying but to save Caliber people. But Calibre whispered in his ear, Max, clearly there's some tainting going on. But that's not what happened. <laughs> it's, it's like in 
ace attorney if you p- pick the wrong bit of evidence to present in court and it works <laughs> but that's what ha- that's what happened is like Jacob was presenting the wrong bit of evidence that wasn't really there and the other writers just instantly believe that exactly that, that's so okay thank you thank you it would have been it would it would have been it, it would have been an interesting twist if it wasn't so poorly executed I agree. See, here's the thing. That entire arc is fantastic. And, you know, Toma gets fantastic character development in his relationships with almost every swordsman as they challenge him to decide if they can trust him. This is a fantastic arc. The battles are intense and emotional. We get a sense for who Toma is more than in the any earlier episodes. But the problem is how we got there. And that's what my what I was trying to say at the beginning of this is that the transitions between arcs are a serious problem throughout Saber. Yeah, I can agree. I can agree completely that the way they, so I don't agree that it was the best arc, but uh, I mean, uh, fantastic arc because, and I'm going to explain why in a second. But I agree that it was a great arc for building character relationships. Yeah. Um, the reason why I, uh, apart from the introduction to that to that arc which again was a big problem. The other reason why that arc well, didn't really stick for me was because a lot of it was very repetitive. In like Literally, I felt like I was watching the same episode every week. Oh, you know, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like It, it was really badly episodic in a way that is not... Like, if for the reasons that people argued that the, Tha- the Thousa versus Zero One arc of that show, I saw that more in this time than I did in the, in the first... than in Zero One. Um... Really? How, how many times did Slash challenge Saber to a battle? Twice. It felt like more. Yeah, it, well, there was, there was, what was it? Saber versus one rider, Saber versus another rider, Saber versus another rider, Saber versus another Saber versus that first rider again, where he changes his mind, and then um, rinse and repeat and do that for multiple episodes. And so that was just really repetitive and tedious to watch. I didn't mind that, but I respect your opinion. Yeah, yeah, I didn't mind it, but I I do get that as repetitive. I just think that the zero one arc was a little bit more. It okay. it didn't make it made less sense than this one did. Okay, okay, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. Again, we're not comparing zero one. We're not comparing zero one. It just so happens to be that zero one is a recent common writer series that acts as a point of reference sometimes. But it it should be it should like Saber should stand on its own. We shouldn't have to compare. It oh, to oh, shows, of course, so. of course. Yeah. When I brought up Z- Zero One before, I was just using it to explain a point. Yeah, I I think one thing that we should talk about we, that we haven't really talked about is the Megiddo. Like we haven't mentioned any of the <laughs> Megiddo at all. There's a reason for and that. How they, they play were fine. into. Yeah, they they it was especially in these first like few arcs they were just I did not care about them. I don't I don't even like any of the like characters in that original like trio outside of like uh caliber yeah storius being the final boss at the end of the series i felt that with how they approached his character was a big letdown yes i hated potential potential for it to grow but uh i'm i'm the same person but the director wanted me to have a gruffy voice now like his character was fine before and him putting on a whatever that finger sleeve was <laughs> yep. and looking a bit more goth kind of ruined the character for me a little bit. Kento kind of did that too when he came back, though. But, it, but his, 
His costume was better, though, I, I, I would say. Well, yeah. Yeah, his human <laughs> costume. I wasn't really a fan of his kaijin form compared to the other two, but I, but I, I prefer, but I agree his, cost, both, his costume was quite good. Are you talking about Storius? So, uh, Storius, yeah. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, get ready, get ready. I'm gonna talk about the Megiddo. The, the <laughs> Megiddo exist. They are in the story. You're right, they and do. They are, they are kaiju, ka, kai, kaijin. They are kaijin, and they, and they, and they fight the common riders. I think occasionally. No shot. Shut your mouth. They do. Yeah, and uh, oh, that's right. They fight Storius in the end, and um, yeah, that's all I got. Not, <laughs> no, not really. All right, that, I got more. <laughs> Honestly, like the the. St- the only parts that were interesting were, you know, uh, Caliber's whole thing, because he was, like, kind of the mysterious, like, person that was only in the suit or whatever. Um, and then, you know, once you get to... Hmm, once they started change, once they started using the books to, like, transform humans into Megiddo, that part that was, was interesting. Fun. I, I like, like that. I felt like that stuff was really, like, was really entertaining for me. That started a problem with me, and this is all wrapping around to the, not to bring it back to Toma, but one of his MacGuffins was, I will save fill in the blank. And that was him the entire series. And with the Megiddo turning into people, I, so it, sorry, my brain is holes in it. Uh, people turning into Megiddo, it came with a... One, a lack of communication between the Sword of Logos and Toma, and just a little bit of repetitiveness, though properly executed, I would say. I I think I can agree with that. Um, On that topic of the story arc, um, I want to talk about Kamarada Psycho, who got introduced and was meant to be a key player in that story arc. Right. Cycle was one of the highlights of the series for me. Yeah, he was great. Especially early on when he's just a sword. Oh, yeah. That was so dumb. I loved it. That was such a random thing. Just like, this is brilliant. I like this. I want to see more of this. And I like what they did with the shadow as well, where, like, he's a sword, but he can um, pull out a shadow to do some stuff, but he's mostly fighting as a sword. It's just like, that would have been really cool to see a lot of. Um, it would have been hard to do. I, I agree they had to get him a book, and I do like his comic book form. Um, I, th- I do like that design a lot. But So did anyone, on that note, did anyone catch that because the book is called X-Swordsman? It's, like not, it's not just the X motif, but also the fact that he used to be human. Ha! Oh, oh, shit. Oh, my God. I never picked up on that. I love it so much. That's pretty good. Look at you, anyway, look at you writers. Good for you. That is the kind of thematic consistency I look for in my common writer shows, and it was only with Psycho. He was the best. Yes, and the brightest. Yes, exactly. Common common writer Psycho is Psycho. I, mm. Oh my god. He was easily one of my favorite right characters from this show. Like he was brilliant, just because he was straightforward. He didn't change. He was like he was very unique as a rider and as a character and as a rider. And I was like, that was really cool. I really liked him in that second arc. Yuri is a great character. 
Yes, Yuri is brilliant. I'm gonna slightly disagree. I think <laughs> Oh I, it took me it took me a really long time to warm up to him. Like it took me until maybe the third end of the third arc maybe to like him. Really? Like, yeah. So he he because I mean, yeah, I understood the whole sword thing, and then when he becomes a human or whatever, or he gets a human form, and everything like that. But then you know they went to the whole comedic route where he's like just doing stuff randomly in the background or like stealing a maze phone for whatever reason and hiding it like he's gonna look into it like a pervert. And he's like, <laughs> what are you, like, what are you doing? Like, it didn't make any sense. And of course, it's like he's he's new to the modern world. He's like just kind of exploring things and that's where he you know gets into the comic books and then he makes his form from the comic books i get that it just i don't know if it was because the humor was too subtle i i like subtle humor but it felt like it was nobody was acknowledging it really so you weren't getting any reaction but then it also like felt like it didn't mesh with any of the other characters in a way that made it amusing i don't know something about it didn't work for a long time for me I feel like May handled Yuri well. Oh, yeah. But I also didn't like May for a long time, so... <laughs> that didn't oh, whoa! Okay, okay. <laughs> what? No, shut your mouth. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. May got, May got better. May was... May. I liked May in the last, like, 10, maybe... Yeah. 15 episodes. Nah, no, you guys are wrong. She was great. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not. No, I am 100% serious. Really? I loved her character. So, I part of part of the problem with May, I feel like she was a great supporting character, but the fact that she also had to double as comedic relief did not help. I yeah, I mean, I just think some actors aren't good at comedy, and I think she was just yelling a lot of the time, and that just kind of got grating. So, but I also thought like, yeah, I mean, there's, there there are definitely a few grading characters in this show, so she's not alone in that. But I, I think that her role was very important in <clears throat> keeping everyone together at the end. At the end, yeah. Like, that's the thing. By the end of the show, it's like, okay, I could see her being a part of this team or family or whatever. Like, it made sense, and she worked well with it. It just like, in the beginning where she's just yelling at Toma to get his manuscripts done, I just, oh my god, I could not stand her. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm going to specifically point out that she did not do a lot of yelling at Toma to get his manuscripts done, and I'm going to specifically point that out because that's what I wanted to see from her. I love it in anime. What? That's all, no, I'm saying I'm saying in the in the first arc, I felt like that's a, when I dropped off of the show. A lot of most of what I remembered of her was her yelling at him. She did that like once, and then him running off to do hero. He did. She did it a bunch of times. She did not. She did. She she did uh, that she a did bunch it a of couple times. of times. In I, the I beginning, think I saw it a couple of times, but I really would have liked to see more of her being that like the edit. Like I, I feel like she was meant. She was an amalgamation of two characters, like the editor who's trying to get the the script done and who sees him as a writer. And the comic relief buddy who is there to try and support him as a common writer. I feel like they could have split those two characters apart and they could have had two really good characters. That would have saturated the cast a lot, though. That really would have. I mean, it would have. But I, I love it. Here's the thing. The, what disappoints me about May as, a, uh, as an editor is I love it in anime when you have the writer at, or author 
Um, and you... <laughs> novelist. <laughs> the novelist. Um, <laughs> I love it in the anime when you have uh, the author and you have um, their, 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 you know, their tired... Um, overworked editor who's just constantly chasing them around, and they're just and they knock on the door, and then someone answers who's not the, the author, and it's like, where, where, fruit where's basket. your, where, where, yes, like fruits basket, fruits. Yes, that's a very good recent example of that trope, and I love, I love it because I think that's just it's it's there's so much room for comedy there, and it's just fun, and it all, they, that that that's the thing is like. There was never or rarely any focus on Toma actually being a novelist. They just call him a novelist a bunch, and then he talks about how much he loves books. But, like, yeah, but... there is no... There, there, I mean, the way they structured the story, it's hard to tell how they could have integrated him being an author more tightly into the story. Um, having May be more of an editor than a support character or a writer support character, I guess I should say, um, that would have gone towards helping that, like, like actually make his book a, an actual, like, subplot that gets focused. Um, but, yeah, that that's what I was most disappointed with, um, as far as May goes. But as far as, like, her as comic relief, she, I just, I just didn't find her her antics funny when she went for the antics. I thought she was, no, I thought she was much more effective as like an emotional character and like seeing her relationships with everyone else. When things got serious and she was there to support them, that's when I liked May. And I just wish that I wish they could let her just be that. I liked her after she gave the pins to everybody. Yeah, that was a great moment. Yeah. It, and also it if it, it felt like she got toned down as well like as far as her like comedic like antics oh, like for sure. Like there was like parts where she was like, you know, or they're talking about stuff like, you know, they're talking about the southern base and master logos and all this kind of stuff and she's just kind of bouncing off of one person like it's like, "Wait, what? What? Wait. So what are you talking about?" Like he she's she's asking but in a very comedic like way and for some reason it worked better in those episodes and situations than anything in the beginning of the show like in the first two arcs like in the first two arcs she was just very like she was just a lot of like her running and screaming at the same time and then just making funny faces so oh my god i mean yeah i think the, i think for the, the point that you're talking about you know, it, she's pulling things together for that, yeah at that point in the story but mm-hmm. yeah yeah she's confused yeah it's kind of funny to see her like catching up but it, it works yeah, it does work because she's actually kind of like us a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as far as like the story, putting like the 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 author aspect into the show, I thought they were going to do more because I, I th- there was one part in the beginning, in I think it was the first arc, where they're fighting a monster and they couldn't figure something out, and he has to like write. He wrote. He got inspired and he wrote something, and it was like a new story, and it kind of helped him figure out a way to defeat the the Megiddo. That was an episode, right? I'm not making that up. I sort of think there were a lot of moments where just like, oh, I suddenly have an idea. I need to write something. And but again, all those were just really like bit moments that didn't really take off. I, I can't remember. I sort of remember early on in like the early arc, the first arc. We keep going back to this first arc, but I remember. <laughs> I remember him having to rely on books a lot to find out weaknesses in cer- in certain Megito. 
Yeah, it, it felt like he was more of a researcher than a writer. Yes. Or, than an author. A lot of the Megiddo were based on stories that he actually had access to. Yes. Conveniently. Okay. I was I was just hoping that it'd be more like Cure Major where, you know, his drawings actually contributed to the fight kind of thing. I agree, especially with regards to his final form, which I want to come on to in a minute, because in the show, the way he gets his final form is just like all those swords are together. But I feel yeah. like there was... Actually, wait, there was an instance. I'm sorry, you're right. Not his final form, his like si- semi-super form, uh, Elemental Dragon. Oh, Elemental. Yeah. Right, right, right. The first, like, the the dead dragon form, I forget its name. Primitive. Um, Primitive. That's Primitive. It. Primitive dragon. That was such a great form. Yeah, that was a great form. Had some great fight scenes. And the yeah. way he gets that further power up is by creating a story for the child right. in the Primitive Dragon book. And yeah. so I I thought that was pretty good. Um, and I'd have liked to have seen something like that for how he gets his final form, where, like, he completes his book that he's been writing throughout the series, and it's about him and his friends, and that, like, bonds somehow turns into a powerful ride book that's never existed before. I'd have liked to see something like that. Yeah. Or what about like in during the final battle, like what he should have uh, imagine if he finished his his um I forget what he called his book that he was writing all throughout the series. Eternal the series. Story. Yeah, Eternal Story, right. Imagine if he had been writing that and he finished it just before going to the final battle and, you know, what he wrote in the book becomes how he how he wins the fight or something something like that. I mean, he did finish it, did it, didn't he? That's why May took it and went to the office to type it up. I don't know. I don't know what that was meant to be about. Somehow she like shared a book and somehow she shared his book online and somehow that stopped him, stopped the world from ending. Um, but I, I think I have to disagree with the idea that that book is that he writes a book and that's how he wins because that's sort of what Storius was doing in a way. Like he was writing, at least that's my understanding. Is like he was writing the story for how he wins. If Toma had done that as well, then he'd have sort of been becoming the evil that he was fighting. Like he was becoming the thing he was trying to fight hard against. So I sort of agree that that shouldn't have happened. Two, well, two two things about that. Um, number one, that actually fits perfectly within the the identity of common writer, just in general. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> so, 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 if if he won by doing the same thing that Storius was doing, but he's doing it to as, as, as you know, standing up for justice and freedom and protecting the world, that's that's common writer. Um, number two, um, Storius wasn't really writing a story. He was just contradicting to his name. It was him wanting to destroy the world because it was, he was disillusioned. Yeah, after. Reading the book for the first Basically, time. Basically, Storius read the uh, omniscient tome and found that all of his stories were pre-written. He realized his fate was predetermined; that he wasn't actually writing anything himself; um, that it was all previously he wasn't creating anything. New. He wasn't creating anything new, and so he wanted to basically just burn it all down. And supposedly that was written in the omniscient tome, and so he took the omniscient tome and made it into his power. Which, by the way, Common Rider Storius is a fantastic. I I I don't know about the whole suit overall, but the mask. I love the mask. The way it's a book. I hated that. I hated that mask. <laughs> yes, you're such a contr- You're such a contrarian today. 
That was such a lazy mask. You talking about the one where it's no, it was yes, just no, yes, no, 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 I'm going to fight to the death on this one. The laziest design ever was Saber's final form, where they basically just painted over the, the his first form. It's just like what was the like? Uh, they gave him a slightly bigger sword in his helmet. Someone like painted it with Viagra paint or something. I don't know. Um, but it was just like that was just a lazy, lazy design. It's better than Zero Two. Oh no no no! Arguing oh. no! Okay. Oh god! Stop. I'm gonna fight all of you on yeah, all of this. Like I like Cross Saber's design and I like Zero Two's design. I'm just going to flip a table because we didn't get a pen that is also a sword. Yes, that's what we should have had. If I'd seen that, I'd have been okay with the rest of the design. Exactly. But we just got a bit. We just got another sword. Admittedly, it was cool what that sword did, where it combined the powers of the other of the other swords. That was kind of cool. It did the thing from Kiva. If only it had been like a bit more writing based, or like the pen is mightier than the sword, as you said, that would have been brilliant. It's literally in the song. That was a line that was also used in Superhero Senki, even. Oh, and also I'm gonna, and also I'm gonna bring it back to I'm gonna step onto the toys a little bit here because Saber's final form, that whole toy, like. The whole transformation song is like a ten-minute J-pop song. Yeah, it's great. I love it. It's such a bop. You see, like the notifications for it coming out on Twitter, and you see it in the episode, and you're just like they're gonna cut all of that in the next episode. They're never. I already never knew the net of second, the cross saber part. I was like, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be the abridged version. A lot of the toys in this in Saber were like that, especially the ride books where. They were just really long-winded. Like, it took 10 minutes for... It just... Each God. one, they had the the speech when you open the right book, there's transformation yeah. when you stick it into the book, then the speech once they've transformed, and they were just really yep. long. Okay, I, I, I'm not going to disagree with any of that, but, I, but I'm also going to say that I can't really complain about long transformation jingles because I kind of uh, really, really, really love uh, Star Twinkle Precure and the way that they sing when they transform, and so I, I, I have no room to talk. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm with, I, I hate it. Like, that's the one thing that kind of killed any... A lot of the tension in the show was killed by just like cla- not just like long songs but like clashing long songs like they would have like three yeah, or four especially later no on. you guys are dumb in, you're no, wrong no. in the third arc <laughs> in the third arc where they had multiple writers transforming together and they had all of those different like speeches and stuff on top of each other i couldn't focus at all i was so yeah i was struggling to pay attention to what was going on i was, was having so fun in the, in the series finale with everyone <laughs> i I'll stand on this pedestal myself. You all are wrong. <laughs> it's all fun. I love it. People like it. I mean, it, they put it in there for a reason. People do like it. So I'm, I'm totally, un- I understand why people would like it. Just for me. I'm not saying, I'm not against everyone else. I'm not saying that they're evil right. for thinking that. I'm just saying that for me, <laughs> like, it was really cool visually seeing all the writers yeah. together. But for me, it was really grating audio wise to listen to that transformation and just like have yeah. all these noises going on on top of each other one after the other constantly or just like yeah it's not good audio mixing yeah well, it's a, the, the, yeah the, and it's been a problem since probably ghost like maybe maybe a little earlier than that but yeah it was it was it was the whole thing of like it was a weird transformation to begin with where you know even in the beginning it's just a dude 
with a little toy book. He opens it and stands there for a while while it while it talks. Yeah, it's like and then he puts it in <laughs> real world logic. He's standing there for a full minute, not moving yeah. at all, not trying to defend himself. Yeah. If the Megiddo wants it, it's just like boom, you're dead. I win. End of episode one. Well, no, that would make far too much sense. In real life, that would happen, but this is a TV well, show, my friend. In most common writer shows, and even uh, Tokusatsu shows in general, they've taken this uh, approach of either showing the transformation happening in a flash or showing that the process of transforming is actually kind of dangerous to be immediately around It's a him. fever dream. <laughs> it's a fever yeah. dream. Yeah, they did that. Um, they've done that a few times. I agree. I just, I'm the point I'm trying to make is that with Saber, it was just really, it was really noticeable and really because of how long the transformation sounds and everything were, that was, um, it was, it stuck out for me more in Saber than it has done in previous shows. That's fair. I, I understand what you're getting at. It was one of those things where I was, I mean, I was about to put like a video on you on Twitter to point it out, but. There was a lot of fights, especially towards the end, where it's like writer versus writer, where they would both, you know, stand there, transform, go through the whole jingle. As soon as they transform, they start fighting. And while they're fighting, the song is still playing. And then another speech happens. And then it goes into the background music. Yeah. And it's like, it's like a full minute after the transform almost until everything cuts down to like just the background music. And it's just, it really messes with the flow of, any like anything story-wise it kind of messes with the flow of it a little bit for me you know what i'd really love to see in a future common rider series is i would like i would like to see all of the jingles designed with that in mind so that when you hear it all together it actually sounds like it goes together or we just don't have jingles (laughs) but i like jingles I feel like I feel like there was one there was something a while ago where that worked. I can't remember where. I feel like I've heard um I feel like there was a Kamen Rider show where that where it worked. If I remember it I'll say, but I I, I can't remember from the top of my head. Um but the other thing Got to remember it. is that like the the toys make the show. So the toys come first and then the show has to make something yeah. has to around the toys. So um I think that might be a bit of a long stretch in the long run. But you know, there's there's yeah. still hope, I suppose. Yeah, I just I I thought when we started with Reiwa, like we were gonna kind of go in a different approach, but we kind of just went back to. I mean, zero one long jingles. Zero one started on that, and then COVID happened. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I mean, okay, so let let's let's go back and talk a little bit more about the story because we're like, I want to get as much as we can out of this. Um, Before Max has to go. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I do have to. I do have to leave in a minute. Um, right, right. So we go into like the, the third arc because I mean we talked about the second, first and second arc quite a bit. Yeah, I'd like to talk about the transition into the third arc because that was another like really what was the point of this moment? If if you don't mind, um, so go for it. So like for the second arc, there's the whole thing where Kento is trying to seal all the swords, and um, then at the end of the second arc where Master Logos is revealed as the bad guy, he's using the Megiddo and the um, Fal- Falchion, the Phoenix Rider. Um, and then there's Which, that where scene. Where did he come from? Did I miss the something? movie? He was from that 20 minute movie that was linked towards the Fal- zero one. Yeah. Falchion was, yeah. Falchion was first introduced in the Sabre, uh, part in the Sabre movie that came with the zero one movie. 
Okay, because yeah, I was I was like I missed something because Toma immediately recognized him. And I was like I don't know who this. Yeah, guy is. no. What threw me off about okay. them bringing him in out of nowhere was basically the fact that they gave him a a whole story just within the show, and it's just like, wait, I thought this was a movie exclusive writer. What, what, what's happening? Here? I mean, he I think was. it worked though. It, it was properly executed. I guess people liked him enough to where they wanted to bring him in. Um, but so there, so there's that point, and then the other point I wanted to make is that, like you know. Um, we think Loon's going to get taken in, taken away to make the um, the what's it omniscient tome, um, and Saber saves her, and yet Master Lowe still gets his hand on the like the crucial book that's supposed to be like more powerful than any of the writer books. So essentially, what happened, as far as I could see, there like summarizing it is the bad guy lost. He, um, nothing went the way that were, that was meant to work, and yet he still um, he still won. That's that's what that's how it sort of felt to me. He didn't get the whole book though, right? Okay, no, yeah, he I didn't get, he get the whole like book, but he got a crucial piece. Right. Yeah, when Master Lucas got the book, it was still incomplete. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, th- this may be a a moment from later on, but I just wanted to point out because it frustrates me during the final battle when all the ride books suddenly lose their power, except for the one that Storius has. Why? <laughs> Yeah, that was never really explained. Like what like what power do these books have over um over um does this omniscient book have over the other ride books? Cuz that didn't really seem to be explored. They're pages of the book. The omniscient tome was the is the first one. Oh. The omniscient tome was the first book that created the world. Oh, you're right. The wonder book the wonder books are pages out of the omniscient tome, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's why. Yeah, that affects it. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And then I then again, I I probably wasn't paying attention enough. Again, there was a lot of the show that I was just doing for me. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So sorry. That's I'm fair. gonna I'm gonna leave. So I'm gonna okay. Just summarize summarize my thoughts. So yeah. So overall, for me, for Saber, as I've made it clear now, it was just deeply disappointing for a number of reasons. Um, and you know it's. There was a lot that I was looking forward to and didn't get to see. Um, yeah. There were some good parts. I'm not saying that it was all terrible. There were some really good parts. Um, and I think we've talked about talked about that. I think I've talked mm-hmm. about the scenes that I had the most issue with now. Um, but yeah, I just think, like, you know, it's just a shame how it came together in the end. And just, that apart from a few good scenes overall, Saber just didn't do it for me. That's fair. I mean, that that totally makes sense. I'll leave you guys to carry on chatting. Um, thanks for having me on the podcast. Oh, thank you for joining hey, thanks us. Thanks for being on, man. Thanks for being on. No, no worries. Okay, bye, guys. Have fun. Right. Bye. bye. See you, Max. Bye. So, yeah, um, I, the whole arc with, uh, to go back to the arc with Kento, you know, coming back as Caliber and uh, his quest to, like, seal every, you know, uh, sword every blade yeah for the sake of my best friend Toma it made sense I thought I thought it was good I just felt like it went a bit too long where he's like you know it's the whole you know you know he was him, very stubborn you know, refusing refusing down. yeah stubborn <laughs> that's the right word he was he was refusing to listen to anybody that was everybody in that entire middle section everyone was so hell-bent on again i know i keep bringing it up but everybody was being comically stupid 
in the entire middle of the series. Toma was hell-bent yeah. on being like, nah, I'll figure it out, fam. You got this. You got Rintaro, who uh, blades. He had the best justification of, of, I literally do not know how to approach this. The organization raised me. Why would I go against them? And then you have Toma, I'm, I'm sorry, Kento, who is now doing the complete opposite as well and being like, nah, I'm about to get all of you and this is, I'm going to end it right here. So there was a lot of just like butting heads and it kind of just for me went back to if they just, you know, in Ryan world, in Ryan world, everyone would (laughs) be sitting in a blank white room, no doors, no wall, no, no windows taking like 15 minutes. Just talk, lay out all the meat and potatoes. (laughs) <laughs> and Ryan World sounds very bleak. It, it's not. It's not. It's not fun. But there's a lot of communication, which what Common Rider Saber doesn't have. I mean, the thing is, like, they did. There was a lot of times where they did talk, but it just the other person didn't want to listen. And yeah. that was that was a bit frustrating. But uh, I got it for some of the characters. Like for for me, I didn't see this happening. But Rintaro became probably my favorite character in the show. Yes, dear Rintaro. He, I, I liked him. I, he kind of, I don't know. He was the one I kind of identified with, where like he was super loyal to his uh, family and to a fault, actually. Yeah. And having him go through that whole thing of like being in denial, seeing something wrong, uh, being confronted with you know the real truth of of logos, and then sort of breaking down like having like a mental breakdown of like why can't he like why didn't he see this and then like when he's trying to make things right why it's not working why can't he save uh may when she becomes a megido like there's a lot of frustration with him yeah that was a very strong point for him it was really for me i thought it was really well done and i thought i was like honestly i thought it was really well acted too i thought he did a really good job of like conveying that frustration i agree of like not being able to not being first of uh, first being alone because he was the last one to leave basically mm-hmm. and then once he left he felt like everything should be good but he wasn't good because he couldn't he was still struggling he wasn't fully in back with the team so like all of that really works for me that kind of that was one of the things that turned the show around for me was his kids character arc i agree with that i, I feel like he was yeah. very very properly executed from start to finish. Um, he's one of the few characters that I really don't have any complaints over. Um, I yeah. mean, again, I'll, I'll keep bringing it back, but this is for everybody with just how uh, they chose to approach the entire middle of the series. But once you get past that, his, you know, like you said, his entire arc with uh, approaching uh, May becoming a Megiddo and you know his entire getting his final form his final form is dope it's great oh that may be the best suit in the whole show I loved when he got his power when they got that power up Hojo Senki yes made you want to put a jacket on because it's ice cool the fact that it has like a fuzzy mane is it makes it really stand out as something special. I thought the hair was dumb, but it it, it worked. It, it worked for me because it, it reminded me of Lion Maru a little bit. <laughs> 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 All 
So I was like, I kind of dig it. It's a solid design, a solid, you know, introduction to the form. Just the culmination of everything he had fought for in that one scene. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the, the main arc was, you know, well, the main part of the arc was uh, Kento being back and sealing, wanting to seal the seal, seal the blades because he saw a future through the caliber sword, or yeah. the dark sword, or whatever it was called. What is it called, caliber sword? Caliber sword. Yeah, he saw he saw many futures. He kind of did the whole Doctor Strange thing where you saw a bunch of possibilities. Oh, that was so cool. That was so. Ugh. That was painful. I dug it. Yeah, that was a, that was a really like. It was good, but it was painful. Yeah. It understood. It, it made sense on why he was so hell bent on like this is the only way because he literally spent who knows how long trying yeah. to avoid all those you know, possible futures from happening, still getting to the end where, you know, someone doesn't make it out of it. It reminds me yeah. a bit of Wizard in that it was like driving him to, um, oh shoot, I lost the word. <laughs> um, just despair. despair, yeah. He So like, like he, he didn't want that to be the reality. And he, but he was like, no, Tom, he's, he's like, just to- Toma, just, we're gonna we're gonna do this, and I'm gonna I'm gonna save you because it's literally the only thing that we can do. And Tom was like, "No, I don't believe you." And he's just like, "Dude, I literally saw it. What are you talking about?" <laughs> like it, it it makes total sense. It's what makes it a good story, I think, for for his character. Like it's an unexpected direction, but given that his whole character is kind of like like. In the beginning, it was all about, um, you know, trying to figure out what happened with his dad. But even before Caliber came into the picture, it was about him and his friendship with Toma. And that's kind of the through line of the whole of his whole character arc. And I like that. Yeah, um, I mean, the whole thing with them, you know, between Toma, Kento and Luna, uh, the Luna part bugged me. For many reasons. Yes. I'm still confused about Luna. At some point, at some point, I was like, I don't really care if they find Luna. <laughs> I, I really don't. Like, uh, until the whole thing was like, oh, well, she's kind of the embodiment of the whole Wonder World thing or whatever. Yeah, more or less. There, there's a specific instance in storytelling that I could compare Luna to. Um, anyone here familiar with the game Sonic the Hedgehog from 2006? You mean the where are one? you going? Where are you going with this? Isn't that a ba- isn't that one of the bad ones? That's the one where Sonic gets kissed by the lady. Yes. Um. But, but you see the the story <laughs> of, of of Sonic's story in the game is basically the princess gets kidnapped. Rescue the princess. She gets kidnapped again. Elise. Rescue the princess. She gets kidnapped again. Rescue the princess. It happens like five times. So Mario. Well, it's Mario. But as it, if the story of Mario was. Um, you, you, imagine, okay, imagine you play through an entire Mario story, and you rescue Princess Peach at the end, and then she immediately gets kidnapped again, and it's all part of the same game. That is Luna. That happens at every level. <laughs> every level of Mario, you get to the end, you <laughs> defeat Bowser, she gets... Uh, wait, 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 I zoned out. Did you just compare Luna to the animal friends at the end of Sonic? <laughs> what? <laughs> 
Like also, he, he jumps, he jumps on the capsule. And like, yeah, I, have to, I mean, I, I, I mean, I do disagree with, I do agree with Yaz and disagree with Brody. Yeah, I don't understand that. My comparison's getting a bit away from me here. What I'm trying to say is Luna just keeps getting taken away and like appearing and then going away and just that's annoying to me. But that wasn't really because someone was taking her away. It was kind of just her existence. She was away. Like, yeah, she was away for a while. And then uh, she was away. And then she got she saved. Back, and then she, she went gone. to the Wonderworld and she came back. So it wasn't she was getting captured, but I don't, I don't know. It, just, it was weird because, like, whenever they showed the flashbacks, it always made it seem like she showed up and they hung out for a week. And then the incident happened. Can I say something? Uh, sorry, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but just if we're talking about that one flashback scene with Luna getting sucked into the MacGuffin portal, the first time that I saw that, it made me audibly laugh for how silly that was. Oh, I don't. I didn't. I didn't mind. I didn't mind how it was executed. Like it's. It was just. It's. I mean, that's just how Toku is. I didn't really see yeah. a problem with that as far as how it was done. I just. My my whole thing was that I I never got a sense of how long they knew Luna, because it seemed like Toma and Kento knew each other for a long time. Yeah, but, but Luna it, just appeared could, out of nowhere. But yeah, it seemed like she appeared out of nowhere. They hung out for a bit, and then she gets like taken away, and then this torments uh, Toma in his fragmented memory for like fifteen years or something like that. In all fairness, if I saw a girl get sucked up through a giant sky portal that looks like a book, I would be pretty freaked out, too. No, I get it. I <laughs> make me not true. want to go to Barnes & Noble. D- 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 but I think the point I was trying to make is we had no sense of time of how deep the relationship was Yes. before you know we got to con- the conflict. Yes, I. that's uh, true. His whole like motivation was that he made a promise to her to rescue her. Right. And then it goes through the whole, you know, arc of the show where, you know, <clears throat> they find her glimpses of her and then they kind of reunite with her for a bit. But then at that point, it's, it's like two grown dudes hanging out with a kid. Yeah, that's and weird. It and seemed, it seemed weird until she grew up. And then it's like, oh, okay, then I thought, I thought when they found her, like when they like when Toma finally finds her for the first time, that she would be grown up. I didn't think she would still be a kid. Well, that would have made so more sense. I, couple, there's a couple of things that go on with this. Um, one, Luna's not human, so you know rules don't apply. But also True. with trauma, um, the thing with trauma that it's it it basically sets like a safe point in your head, and yeah, when something yeah, triggers yeah. that, you go straight back to it. So like I see what you mean by it look it looks weird on the outside, but like but for, to him, it, to him, it's for, like for a really Kendo, good deal. yeah, for Kendo and Toma, like they both go back to the days that they were together as kids. Mentally, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I, 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 by the, as it went on, I understood, but it just <laughs> it, it felt every every once in a while I was like, wait, how did how long did they actually know this kid? Like it, it, it kind of bugged me a little bit, but I was able to explain it away because yeah, it is a traumatic experience, so that does make sense. What bothers me more about Luna is when we do finally figure out who, who what she is and and what she represents and you know that we go into that entire end game involving wonder world and our world vanishing it, it, it not uh, to put it bluntly 
it doesn't make sense at all at all um so to to elaborate on that a bit um you know we go into that final arc and um storius's big plan is he's going to break down the border between wonder world and our world and that will make wonder world um sort of the i saw it translated as encroach on planet earth yeah yeah I checked the vocabulary and encroached is a literal, literal okay. um, definition. It's it's kind of like a Helheim situation where yeah. it just like takes over Earth and somehow that results in everything vanishing. Um, so it, it, it turns Wonderworld into so we get we find you know we finally get the backstory on um, Tassel. And we find out that Wonder World is the source of all knowledge on Earth. That is where stories come from. That is where the omniscient tome came from. But it's presented, right. but it's presented from the beginning of the show as though it's a big fantasy world. And we never explore it. And they never expand on it, and they wait until the very end to tell us what it actually is. And Luna is the embodiment of that world, given you know human form. Mm-hmm. And so it's it, I I just I I disagree. <laughs> I just disagree. I feel like they shouldn't have done that. The thing for me was like, uh, through I think through part of the show, they. They came to the conclusion that she was, she was the key to bridging the worlds. Like she was, yeah, she was the connection between uh, Wonder World and our world. Which mm-hmm. for me, I mean, I could make that make sense. Where it's like she is one of the people who can freely travel between the worlds, and she's the key to bridging it. Like it, it, it could make sense that way. Saying that she is the embodiment of that whole world doesn't make sense to me. Like I can see her as being like a connect a connecting point, but I don't know how I she mean, the whole thing. She's both. Yeah, she's both. I think she should have been only one of them. <laughs> also, I didn't understand the Sophia part of it, where she is created to be an imitation of her. Yes. Yeah. For what? Yes. Because the real Luna was missing for that entire time, so they. Uh, Who's there? Uh, sort of logos. Sophia was created by uh, them, weren't? Wasn't she? Right. By, 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 was by she Master created logos. by Master Logos. Yeah. Uh, yes, I believe so. A Master Logos. How did he do that? Uh, there was a uh, there, there was a there was there was a book that was hidden behind lock and key that yeah. could do that. Uh, that was the one that story is gotcha. stole. After he took the key from Meg. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Okay. That, that was yeah. his piece of the omniscient tone. I just... Uh, there, okay. are lots of, there, there are lots of little details in Saber that are that are easy to forget. And lots of lines that just got dropped partway through, so we forgot if we... So we forget if they were even followed up on or not. Yeah. The writing was a mess. Like the... the um, I guess back in the beginning where they you know, when you see the Megiddo, they're in their little house or whatever, and then they have this little mechanical arm writing a book. Yeah. What was that book? Was that part of the, uh, the uh, Kind of. 
Because every um, every faction had a part of the tome, right? Yeah, uh, Legio, Zuos, and Sorius had their own ultra right books. Um, because they were they they were part of the original like what five or six. Yeah, they're part of this. They're part, the, part of the original adventuring party that found Wonder found Wonder World. Yeah, which I thought was a cool idea. Yeah, and that part of them got you know corrupted. One of them became a. Uh, a guardian of Wonder World, one of them became a guardian of our world. I just didn't understand the logic of Master Logos flipping. And here's another thing. This is this is kind of a bit of a something that I'm just annoyed with with a lot of stories, especially in like Tokusatsu uh probably recently. I don't know. I remember seeing it the first time I saw it I think was in Geki Ranger and I I kinda let it pass because I liked that show a lot, but having a villain who becomes bad because they're bored annoys me. Yes. Uh, yes. 100%. If it's executed proper. Generally, it's not very interesting. Because he, 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 when uh, Thomas says, like, oh, I have one question to ask of Master Logos, and he goes to the southern base to ask him, and he says, uh, why are you doing all this if you, were, if you were meant to be a guardian of Earth? Why did you do this? And he says, uh, I saw the treachery in humans. Humans betrayed my people, or my family, and my friends, and I'll never forgive them. Something like that. And Toma kind of like freezes for a bit, and then Logos is like, "Is that what you wanted to hear?" Nah, it wasn't like that. I was just bored and wanted to see chaos happen or something. I was like, "That's just a much lazier way to do things." <laughs> well, I I do want to add that I think Master Master Logos was pretty much the only one that stayed human. That's why they have. That's why there are multiple master logos over time. Yeah. Wait. Huh. Yes. There, there, there have been multiple master logos throughout the like the entire oh, sort of logos. So he wasn't. He wasn't one of the original. He he was no. The master logos we had was not the original one. He was someone who was who, who was a successor. Yeah, it's understandable that you would think that, though, because they keep using the same actor in the flashbacks to represent his ancestor. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't that wasn't the same one? No. No. Wait, he, he, no. Says, he, says that, he said that because of the tome, his life uh, was slightly extended. He said that later on, I just forgot. But he does say that he, he lives a, li- a bit longer than humans, but not like 2,000 years. So I think that is someone else. He is not a normal Homo sapiens. <laughs> Are you sure? I, I remember. I remember being annoyed. Yeah, by yeah I was gonna. Stuff, I was gonna but... because because Tassel kept saying like, you know, referring to the previous special logoses or you know the first one. So I figured like the one we had, the one we were seeing, you know, is a descendant or successor of some kind. Yeah. yeah. Why would they use the same actor? That's so confusing. Well, they had it. They for a long time they were they were hiding him in like you know hods and stuff like that. So they yeah. didn't really show. I mean, but listen, they, they could. Ryan, uh, Ryan, I, I'm not gonna believe you if you tell me that you don't look exactly like your great 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 grandfather. <laughs> well, I have news for you, Brody. Everyone in my bloodline looks exactly the same. So look who has Whoa. egg on their face now. Oh, that's that's terrifying. <laughs> I mean, I know siblings looking similar, but <laughs> see that that completely changed my entire perspective on Master Logos's character because I thought he 
Now, I, I don't know if I'm getting it mixed up, but wasn't he with that group with, like, Victor, uh, yes. Storius, okay, and the rest so of them? The original party had a Master Logos, but then when when everything changed, you know, Master Logos became, you know, Master Logos created the sort of Logos, and there have been successive Master Logoses after that. What? They weren't all that, they weren't, it wasn't the same person throughout the whole, you know, however long it was. I'm gonna try. Th- I'm gonna try this one more time for you, Ryan. There is an original Master Logos. They use the same actor as the present day Master Logos, but they are not the same. The original Master Logos oh, was with the I'm original. I'm just group. looking at the wiki page. Master Logos original. <gasps> yeah. Oh, uh, wow, that's dumb. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, wiki oh my writers. God, I like I. Does that clarify things for you now, Ryan? Well, I and like okay. So the thing that the thing that made sense with his character was now completely null and void for me because yep, exactly because you thought he was bored because it was the same guy for all those years. I thought he was the same guy, and him seeing. Like him seeing everything when they all got the omniscient tome. I hope I'm not making that up. And he saw stuff as well. Um, he saw the entire line of the uh, of like the other master logos, and he was like, "Not, nah, I don't want to do that. I'm not for that anymore." And like that flashback of him with the original group made sense especially with the turnaround of who killed tassel was astorius or storius yeah storius okay um it, it just it just you know it put pieces together but after this you know after my tic-tac brain decided to not rattle as much like it <laughs> It just opened up more plot holes, which, you know, changing the act, changing the actor could have easily fixed it. Uh, so I guess before we jump into the final arc, uh, I believe Ryan wanted to talk about a certain character. <laughs> I mean, he's kind of part of the final arc. So oh, you, oh, no, he's vibrating. Let's not let's not go for another half an hour, though. So <laughs> <laughs> I will keep my opinions as as kind as possible but i, no, I do mean, you wanna... don't have to be super kind but... oh no i'm not i'm gonna i'm going Just to tell us your favorite character come on let's go let's do it <laughs> well if we really wanted to make positive notes about kengo but this isn't about him this is about Kamen Rider kenzon um i hated it wait who's kengo kenzon Kengo? Kento. You, you, Kento. Said, you said Ken- Kento. <laughs> you said Kengo. Look, I've, we've already established my tic-tac brain, okay? <laughs> I, too, enjoy Forza, but we're talking about When I was vibrating saber. before, it rattled a bit more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Ken- Kenzon, um, I really do think that he was... Not, I, I don't want to say the worst character, because I feel like that's still too harsh of a word to place for him but he was my least favorite character um i i really i i don't even want to say hated because he really brought it back at the end barely like he was struggling 
crawling up to the finish line with everyone on like, yeah, you were a character, but his entire story arc, I just, I just wasn't on board for it. I like that in the beginning, he was this kind of like hotshot kid who was just like a little, who was just a cocky, cocky little punk. I, I like, I like punks in my, uh, in, in my media that I watch and his, his middle of the arc where it was a power struggle of Kento is gone. He was the only one that I acknowledged and now I don't know what to do. I, it, it just could not get on board and he took far, far too long to join up with the rest of the cast. Um, he was a very screamy boy. He was, he was like the best, the best scenes was with him chilling with Desast eating ramen. <laughs> like that, that, that was my highlight for him. And I can't help but to compare him to uh common rider Langle from uh blade who had mm-hmm. a little bit of a similar story arc. Might I even say the same type of botch story arc, which is, you know, to each their own, but I didn't really care for Langle's story arc either. And it was, you know, a little bit of just like it took a minute for him to get into the uh, get back in with the team. And at that point, you have so many personalities, you have so many um, points of character development that is established that you are telling us to, okay, he's back in, it's fine. And, And, you know, just forget that he pretty much pieced out for 50% of the show and just did not and chose not to help. I mean, the fact that disaster kind of just came back out of nowhere didn't really help. I really didn't understand that. It made the whole thing felt very forced. Well, the thing is, like, I thought they were going to do something with it where, like, because it, it, for one, I mean, for me, I was confused that which character that was anyway. And then... It made it look like only he could see him for a while. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That would have been no. Disaster, disaster was very good at hiding. No, no, that's the thing. It, it turned out that he was just hiding, but there were times where it looked like, right? Maybe he was only he was the only one seeing him, but then it was like no, he was just you know being sneaky or whatever. Um, that uh-huh. part it just didn't it didn't work with me because it just it just felt way too random. Um, but mm-hmm. I agree that. I would actually go as far as to say he is the worst character in Saber. Um, I mean, Ren actually, Ren, Ren actually had a character. Reika and Ryoga, Re, Reika and Ryoga kind of just devolved into two-dimensional characters. No, Reika had the, cure, had the uh, Zenkaiser crossover. You take that back. That was a downgrade. Reika no. downgraded. No, Reika, Reika definitely downgraded. I, I didn't like what they did to her because she went from being an imposing, yeah. like second in command to being like someone who just brother co- his older severe brother. Se- severe brother complex going on i'd i'd go i'd go as far to say simping which is kind of just like we get to that dicing territory that that was, i mean that the fact that we, the fact that she became that kind of character was a downgrade in my opinion and she was such a good character too she wasn't that good to begin with <laughs> okay 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 this is what we call specter syndrome I, I don't not know. even it's reverse specter syndrome let's not get into that because we're gonna we're gonna take too long 
<laughs> yeah. But point being, I like Rika downgraded after her brother showed up. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryoga didn't ex- They tried to push Ryoga somewhere, but they didn't go very far with them. His story arc was learning how to apologize. He just kept saying, stop making me angry. And just like, <laughs> whatever. He was angry. Um, he was red angry like his jacket. Like, he and Reka basically had their one lines. You, you see, the plan was to turn him into the Hulk. But they couldn't get the license. God, whatever. They already had a green <laughs> rider. <laughs> like, here's the thing about going back to, to Ren. Um, for me, what I, I mean, I, from the beginning, he just seemed like... He seemed like someone who just kind of like bloodlust. He had like a bloodlust kind of thing. He just yeah. wanted to get stronger. I thought they were going to take it into the direction where he just becomes like psychotic and becomes like, you know, starts killing people to get stronger. I thought they were going to make him a bad guy, but that would have made it more interesting. But he just, he just was like someone who looked at everything as like, do I need to kill that person or no? He tried to be an edge sword, And I'm not saying that because his sword has four edges. Called God, Thomas. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, the thing is, like he, the thing is, like he was like very. He was kind of like just a pointed weapon, where he just like just point me where I need to slash, and I'll do that. Um, then it goes to the whole, you know, him being lost and like him being a part of the southern base now, and then being so against Toma purely because he's on the wrong side. Uh, more than anybody else. Like he... Purely because it was a betrayal to Kento. In but, his yeah. Mind. He was he was a very like uh there was no gray area with with Ren. Um but then he just he just became very whiny and like very he was very much mm-hmm. I mean he is the youngest. He's the youngest, so it makes yeah. it, it can make sense to agree, but he just it wasn't performed well and it wasn't written well. And then once he like once he sort of disbands from both sides and goes on his own, he just becomes very stubborn. He's like, I need to be stronger than Toma. And for me, the best uh, scenes with uh, Toma, or not Toma, with uh, Ren were with Toma. When he tells him to fight. He says, fight me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Toma says, yeah, I'll fight you. Toma's speech to him were talking about like, uh, strength is not everything. You need to find out why you fight, and that'll fuel uh, your passion for you. You you'll it'll point you in the right direction of where you need to go because you're very lost mm-hmm. right now. That was more of a positive for Toma for me, because around that mm-hmm. point is when he started to like. Because after he you know figures out how to use his sword to bring out the power of the sword itself, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he started to like put hit both like his passions, his despairs, everything went into the sword. That made Toma grow, and that made him a better swordsman, and that made him more powerful. Mm-hmm. Like, and then him telling to- uh, Ren that felt like a really powerful moment because he's, even though he's new to being a swordsman, he progressed faster because he he's been through a lot. And Ren did nothing with that. Yeah, exactly. Ren didn't. Ren didn't. <laughs> he didn't progress. He just said, like, at the end, I'm gonna go my own way. And then he shows up at the end to fight alongside Kento. And it's like it. It wasn't earned. Nothing was earned with him. And it's really frustrating because I really liked the action with Kenzan. 
like Kenzon's fighting in the suit. Kenzon as really a suit is cool. great. Yeah, it just the character just was not great. For, was not good. So, for I mean, me. the, I, like I mean, the thing with I mean, the thing with Kenzon and Ren that you know both Toma and Disaster acknowledge that Ren is already strong. Yeah, but his but his heart's in the, his heart and mind are in the wrong places. Yeah, exactly. He's focusing too much on the strength part, not the justice part. Right. I, th- I think I'm picking up on something between your description of how things went down and how Ryan described it. Um, so the way I read the whole uh, Ren's whole story is that it was set up to where he is this hotshot. He thinks he's the best. He uh, is, you know, on top of his game or whatever when Toma comes along. And then the, the things happen that make him feel like Toma has betrayed Kento and that turns him against um, that. That turns him against Toma, and he's not willing to forgive him over anything because of how he feels about um, Kento. And then Kento shows up again, and that just seems to not matter to Ren. All of a sudden, Ren is. That's the part where Ren starts to really feel whiny. But then they sort of try. It's like they tried to transition him into an arc where. Um, he wants to get stronger just because, like, I, I guess he was mad at Toma, but Toma was doing better than him at swordsman stuff, so he's feeling like he's, uh, maybe, maybe he's insecure or something, and he feels oh, like... Oh, he's definitely insecure. Well, oh, yeah, well, I mean, less a maybe. That's and, why he and left. Well, <laughs> yeah, um... Because everyone, everyone else decided to side with Toma, and he's just like, oh, this Toma guy... He's yeah, why is everyone with him? I don't get it. Me. It was more it was it was more like it was more like Toma betrayed my friend and yet here he is being stronger than me now. I don't like that. And so yeah. and and then meanwhile you have the, the you have the writers pairing him up with Disast, who Disast just wants to be entertained by strong fighting. And so he's mm-hmm. and so Disast is looking for strength and Kent and and and, and not Kento, um Ren is Ren. looking to get stronger. And their goals are sort of intertwined in that way. Mm-hmm. Um and so and I think the, the, the payoff in that way it, it, it does manage to pay off in their final fight together. And yeah. um but that doesn't even so it's just not a very good it's not a very well written character arc no i think it's i think it's the kind of thing that we i think that's the kind of thing that we would have liked to have seen either more of or like separate from the show yeah trying to squeeze it in in like the few episodes that we got them for yeah it didn't have as much impact as i felt like it could have or honestly, like shorten that arc, like make 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 him get bring Ren back into the fold a lot sooner, and let him have the conclusion to his character arc. Give him the attention he needs, as far as writing goes. That's what I would have liked to see. Mm. I just would have liked to see him not in the show. If it was just the suit, and that's it. He didn't make any noise. He didn't talk. <laughs> He's making him look sure, Night and day difference. Ryan's here wanting to remove Ren's soul from his body. <laughs> I will give him some credit, though. His ending, his ending fight where he was, you know, fighting along with Disaster's 
spirit. Mm-hmm. That was that was good. Granted, that was a good moment. Yeah. It was the Kenzon suit, not Ren, so that made it <laughs> even better. Oh my god! But it that entire fight scene was executed very well. On a related note, I also enjoyed how uh, Ren and Kento swapped books for their final for the finishers. Yeah, yeah. That was also a nice touch. I like that the three pigs came back. I didn't expect them to come back. <laughs> oh, yeah. The highlight of Kamen Rider Saber, the three little pigs. Uh, so, uh, is there anything that we want to say about the final arc before we close it out? Uh, the finale. I, I, I love I the, the finale. finale. I, the finale I was the finale great. Lot, yeah. Am I the only one who doesn't? Yes. Maybe. Probably. Well, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure Max didn't like it either. Okay. No, I've never seen the Maxine overall. Oh no, he, he he liked he he liked parts of it. I I'm sure. Well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to speak for my, Max. Yeah, let's not. Let's um, not do that. Let's not speak for Max. Yeah, but but for me, like I I really enjoyed how we kind of went back to basics for this for the final fight where everyone is using their uh you know first base forms. Yeah, I I always love that. Yeah, quote unquote base form for Saber. Cough, cough. You know what I mean. Base design. Base design. I didn't understand that. It was Wonder Almighty. The fact that he had not the not the power of the swords, the powers of the books. I like that Saber's whatever whatever repaint form. Don't don't crucify me for that. Cross Saber. Just it's for a, a re- for a lack. Not a repaint. Get. Lack of better words. <laughs> Are you talking about Cross Saber or Wonder Wonder Almighty? Wonder Almighty. I'm talking okay. about Wonder Almighty. That is not oh, a repaint. That's not a repaint. That's just the same suit. Yeah. I, I can't win over here. <laughs> because you're wrong. Okay, 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 okay. What is what is your point about Wonder Almighty, Ryan? That it was not the power of the swords that he was using. It was the power of the books. I can agree with that. That is something that yeah. I wanted. I wanted that from the beginning. From the beginning. <laughs> Why can't they just do book stuff? Oh, Brody. A lot of times, especially uh, towards the end, which is, I mean, it was one of his main catchphrases that, you know, his main his catchphrase is like the conclusion of the story. I'll, I'll write the conclusion of the story. However it's said. Um, yeah. Basically, but yeah, it was a whole thing. like that was the way, how he was convincing Kento to join. Is like, yeah, you've seen a bunch of futures, but we can write our own future, kind of a thing. Like that was kind of the theme of the, at least the last arc, if not the whole show. I mean, like, I mean, and that was his point against Storius as well, because yeah. it was like everything was predetermined, and like even Luna pointed out to Storius, you know, there were stories that Toma made when we were kids that I had never thought about or heard about. Right, Which and then Kent. So the point was that, yeah. But no, just you know, because of that, like, not everything is predetermined. Yeah. Well, I like the I, I like the the what he was what uh, Tomo was saying to uh, Storius, where, like, yes, yeah, Storius says that uh, every story is predetermined; it's already written by the tome, and he says it doesn't matter if you know everything is written by the tome already. The point is that if it's new to people. If the story is new to a person, that's the point. Like the point right. is like ex- experience, like giving ex- new experiences through stories, through books to people. That's the point. Having people mm-hmm. learn through stories. 
that's the point. It doesn't matter if the story was already been told. The point is you're introducing it to new people. And I thought that was a really cool like way to plagiarizing. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> wait, this wait, that's that point sounds familiar. Is that what people were saying about it when this came out? That was yes. what that is what I said. And oh, I can't speak on everyone else, but rem- that was the you said first that thing in the that dis- came- in the Discord, did, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, now and I remember. I said it I said it as a I did say it as a joke just for clarification. But, <laughs> of, um, of course. But it, it's just the wording can uh of what Toma said, you know, in in the real world. Like I, I don't want to say like, you know, his wording can also be made into be like, hey, steal other people's content. If someone didn't oh, see it before, God. then it's fine. That's an extreme. That is a hard extreme. <laughs> no, I get that. The, the way that I saw it was that uh, because they're saying that the, you know, the tome is written everything. What Toma was saying, well, interesting tome, Toma, never mind. Oh my god. Um, what Tomo was saying was is that... Is that where his name came from? It's not. That's not it. No. No, 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 it's not. Um, what I got from it was that they don't know that the stories that they're coming up with came from the Exactly. Tome. For them, they're, they're creating it themselves. It's yes. original. Because they don't know where it came from. It came from their minds. So he is saying as long as... As long as it's new to the world, it doesn't matter if some other part, uh, thing made it. Some greater existence. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in their in their universe, in their continuity, the uh, the omniscient Tome is saying, "Hey, Toma is going to write this book." So, pretty much. That's at least that's at least the way that I'm I'm putting it. Obviously, you can't take it to an extreme of saying. Hey, Toma! Toma just took every told everyone to plagiarize. It's okay. Like, obviously, that's not oh, true, yeah, yeah. and that's not that's not an overall. Uh, Remember, uh, everyone, line. don't listen to Ryan. <laughs> but yeah, as far as the final art goes, I I, I like the final episodes. I I can't say that I liked either Storius or Logos, like. The actors kind of hammed it up way too much for me. And I liked the idea of, you know, Logos kind of going mad and like going mad with power and getting too cocky. But I felt like it was, Mm -hmm. it went on, like he wasn't cut down to size fast enough. But you did get to Mm -hmm. see him slowly become more delusional. Um, I just didn't like the shift to Storius. It just felt way too quick. And I know he was biding his time the whole show, but it just, I don't know, something about it, just Storius didn't work for me. I think I know why. Why? It's because they didn't really give enough focus to Storius earlier on. And like, sure, we had those, we had the times that the Megiddo were involved, but it was never really clear where it was going. And it was never really clear what Storius wanted until they decided to bring it up out of nowhere. And that 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 that's how I felt, at least. Maybe that's for for a while. I didn't even think that he was the lead. Yeah. For a while, I thought it was I thought it was either Calibor or Le, Le, Legio. 
Yeah. Man, I didn't think Zuo was the lead. Zuo, Zuo's a man. That was a that, he may be tied with Ren. He's one of the worst characters in the show. He didn't. There wasn't much to his character. He just flipped a lot. That I that was I was just thinking that when he's laughing at May and then he does the flip. It's the great. Flip, yeah. God. Wait, which one? Who? Uh, Zuos. Oh. Yeah, I don't remember Zuos very much at he all. He had the sleeveless shirt. He was the buff one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, re- I remember like I remember his actor, and I remember seeing him in the show. I just don't remember anything about his character or what he did. He, his main his main conflict was against Rintaro. Yeah, he, yeah. he oh, basically right. won. Yeah, yeah. yeah Legio Le, was uh, after Toma, and then Zuos was after Rintaro. Um, I just want to say also, Storius is a dumb name. I mean, Zuos is too. <laughs> Agreed. But, but, anyway. but story, story, Storius is particularly on the nose, is all I'm saying. Um. So yeah, to get back to the final arc, I I didn't really, I didn't really understand what happened as far as like everything disintegrating, because like it... some my interpretation. My interpretation of the ending was the world disappeared, but um, at that point, uh, Toma himself, his existence had become, you know, replacing Tassel, becoming part of Wonder World. Did he replace Tassel? Effectively. Tassel and Luna, that's the way that I took it, that he was like the, I don't know, the battery pack of Wonder World. Basically, to restore the world... So Toma's role as, you know, being chosen by Luna uh-huh. was to become part of Wonder World and to, you know, be a new guardian. Okay. And that happened, you know, that was basically how, you know, where we got to everyone dissipating and he was able to pull himself back together because of his love of books and everyone's stories, you know, their thoughts filtering in because at that point Toma had become a part of Wonder World. Okay, but how did the world? How did the world return? Uh, I, I imagine some kind of hand wavy shenanigan of because Tom was, you know, fulfilling is not taking on his new role. The world put itself back together. That's my assumption. So, so my take is basically what what May did was she sent out that message being like, hey, everyone, you need to remember your stories or whatever. And then everyone around the world somehow saw that message. Well, I say around the world. Everyone in Japan saw that message and w- and started recounting their stories and, and thinking about them and sending them in to, I guess, through the power of thought and, and heart and basically a Ganbare Kamen Rider kind of moment. Um, and so the, it, it was the spirit of everyone's love of those stories that sort of let Toma recreate Wonderworld, you know, in a way, um, basically those stories became the foundation for one, the new Wonderworld, sort of like how the omniscient Tome was the foundation for the original Wonderworld. But then, how does the the restoration of Wonderworld restore Earth? 
Wonder World seems to be linked to Earth in some way, and so both depend on one another. All of the knowledge for, on Earth came from the Omniscient Tome, which came from Wonder World. So somehow knowledge, knowledge equals existence, I guess. Hmm. They, 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 the show made a point of not going too deep into that. Yeah, and I think that that, <laughs> that kind of reminds me of a plot point in Deno, where, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, where like Zeranos is like uh, spoilers for Deno, I guess. Uh, Zeranos is like, I guess he's kind of disappearing because nobody remem- remembers him. And then once mm-hmm. like Ryotaro says that he remembers him, and then more people are remembering him, then that kind of manifests his existence back into the world or whatever. Like, yeah. it kind of reminds me of that. But, yeah, I kind of wish they explained how Wonderworld was connected to Earth and how the existence interacts with each other. I wish they explained a lot about Wonderworld, and I wish that those explanations were not what they are. <laughs> um, mm. there's, a, there's a lot that I dislike about how Wonderworld was handled from the beginning, just there was so much potential for a whole fantasy story and a fantasy world and you know for all for all i know it could have been an isekai and it would have been better than what we got oh. but i don't want an isekai no more isekai. isekai no more isekais no i don't want it in anime i don't want it in tokusatsu <laughs> done i'm out i don't need anymore fair enough i i will say about the finale um this was i i have no shame in saying it made me cry and i did not expect that the the messages the messages from fans was a really really well done moment it was it was that and may's entire performance when he she excuse me was like accepting the award for toma or like whatever that scene was yeah um Everything, mm-hmm. everything about that was just like it was. It goes back to my overall, my overall point that I said at the beginning of the episode. I wish that the like how strong it ended. This entire like the entire hotzva that the finale had was throughout the past forty six other episodes. <laughs> hmm. So, so, for me, as someone who wasn't a big fan of the ending, it's not it, it's not that I thought it was a bad ending. It's just that it kind of fell flat for me. Um, okay. Like, like there's all the it's it's kind of like if you if you watch a show and you see that they have the music swelling and the and the and the the the, the camera angles are making it out like it's going to be this big emotional moment and it just doesn't carry any weight because of something that happened earlier like like imagine if um uh, for those who um are familiar with what I'm talking about like you, you know what? actually no I'm not going to make a specific reference I'm going to just say hypothetically imagine if there was um, an anime where one of the many waifus in the show magically transforms into a giant spaceship out of nowhere after the whole thing has been a kind of grounded story. And then someone makes this dramatic emotional speech on the bridge of said ship, as and, and, the, and the show is, like, framing it as though we're supposed to take that seriously. I can't take that seriously at that point, because you just turned your waifu into, into a spaceship. 
for for some reason. Wait, uh, what's the equivalent here? Yeah, I guess okay, I think you've lost this, Brody. I, I'm get I'm getting I'm getting to the I'm I'm getting to that. My point is, I feel like in the same way that that hypothetical situation, um, well, quote unquote hypothetical situation, under would undermine that moment. I feel like just the the, the lack of consistency through all of Saber. Like I feel like I feel it. To me, it feels like things didn't build to that finale the way it was. And there were some, there were a lot of really good moments that I did like in the finale. Um, all of the different swordsmen fighting the council or, or council, the, 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 the elders, sages. the sages, thank you. Those moments were really good. Those fights were really good. And um, I, I feel, I feel like, okay, okay, well, well. I've, I, I thought. Brody, finish, like so, Brody, finish your finish your yeah, point, Brody. Sure, sure, sure. But um, just something about that whole final confrontation against Storius and the way that it concluded, the way that Wonder World came back, and then Toma came back from that Wonder World again. It's like it was all really good feels, and it was it was it was touching. But it just kind of felt like it fell flat for me. Like it wasn't, like like it, it like it was almost like putting the lid on a really incohesive story. And not 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 incoherent. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. I, I I I I'm pretty sure, especially after this conversation, I'm pretty sure I understand all of Saber. But <laughs> but Saber is rather, it's it's not a cohesive story. It doesn't all fit together neatly the way I would have liked it to. And it just kind of bugs me, and it and for me that contributed to the ending not hitting as hard as I feel like it should have. For me, it was just it was because it was in spite of how patchwork the story was up to the finale that the finale hit harder for me. Okay, interesting. Um, especially because you know we have we've had this whole thing about you no know, Kento wanting to keep Toma out of the fight so that Toma would be saved. But in the end, Toma is the one who disappears along with the rest of the world. Um, and then, you know, after the whole, you know, that moment with Toma is we had the whole, it's one year later. One year later, Toma has been mysteriously absent. Uh, May is now receiving this award in his stead. Kento is taking over the bookstore because Toma's out there. Like there was a, there's definitely a sense of, you know, loss in that Toma has been like significant has been absent for a significant amount of time. Well, there's also yeah. the entire group of people that were still missing as well. So if you want to get that continuity into it, they were restored. Not everyone. What do you mean, not everyone? There was still it. To my, if I recall, I I hope I'm not wrong on this, but one year later, there was still people who did not come back. The, the 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 call that came in was all the a bunch of people mysteriously reappeared at the same that time as Toma. Missing. It did an end game thing. Yeah, but they still acknowledged that a group of people was missing, so Toma was part of that group. So, uh, if I'm if I'm registering what you're saying proper, of just like everyone's just like, oh yeah, Toma's gone. But are are you taking this as like in the group? Or are you saying like novelist? Toma 
is now missing and we do not know why like yeah i think that was the case like the like he disappeared and along with uh a lot of the people oh no 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 the people who were missing were the ones who were turned into megido and turned into books but then why didn't why didn't may why didn't may may was saved uh may was saved from that fate but they're but the books that were um in the secret base Right. They got eaten up by the characters in Megiddo. Turned into books. Right, right, right. Yes, those are the ones that got. Those are the ones that got restored, and that's what the phone call was about. Yeah. Okay. I'm confused. <laughs> like those people who were missing had remained missing because they had turned into books. Until yes. the finale, where they got restored, because of Toma. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm glad we came to a conclusion. <laughs> So why were we discussing this? <laughs> Man, I I <laughs> Tic Tac bring going on Ryan. <laughs> Next bit. You need you need to tweet that quote along. Uh, uh, we've said it enough, enough times. You need to tweet it with when you when this podcast goes out. <laughs> anyway, um... I thought I thought it I thought it wrapped I thought it wrapped up nicely. I agree um, for how Patrick worked. The show was yeah, yeah. It yeah. it I can agree. it stumbled I can agree its way nicely into a finale. Yeah. Like I mean, it was there's definitely a sense of is Toma actually coming back? I mean, of course he is. He's the main character. You know, we've seen this several times in the past with finales. Kota. Some characters aren't aren't actually lost. Kota, but yeah, yeah, could have been. Uh, been. I think I was thinking more Philip, but um, no, but we're saying like Kota's the exception. What I'm saying is it could have been a Kota situation and they decided oh. not to. I mean, it's definitely, it was definitely a nice, nice, touch, nice touch to see him, you know, in the cabin in Wonder World because, you know, that was in the opening. Yeah. That was so good. That was pretty cool. That was a nice tie-in. Also, a few episodes before, a few episodes before where uh, the three Bane characters uh, fight for the first time together after a long time and they cross the sword. Yes! Yeah. Like the ending. Yeah. Seeing the cabin in Wonderworld, you know, it almost tricked me into thinking that they had that planned from the beginning. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost. But then I was like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> I, I don't care. That was such a power move, like, even to the point with Toma doing the stretch and everything, and it pans up to the rest of Wonderworld. That was so, yeah. so Except this good. time in the background, instead of the tree, it's it's the sword, the, the cross yeah, saber sword. Yeah. Basically, Toma doing his own thing for the year in Wonder World, bring everyone back, including himself. It was, it was a nice touch. Yeah, I kind of wish they left him in Wonder World to be a Kota situation, but that's me. I do. I did kind of wish that he didn't come back just to like say like you know that's that is his sacrifice and that's what he has to live with, kind of a thing. Um, like Madoka. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't remember the end of that, but uh, <laughs> I will say that I'll say my final thoughts on the show is that, and in the finale as well, is that I think because my stand, my bar was set so low because I didn't like the show at the beginning, I ended up enjoying the ride for the most part. There's definitely parts of the show that are just like don't make sense or like are overlooked or forgotten about, but overall. I focus on the characters, and for me, the characters grew on me a lot as the show went on. 
So then by the time mm-hmm. we get to the end, I was invested in most of the characters. So I it 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 works for me though, especially the last arc. It works for me, and the finale I thought was really good. Um, yeah, I, I overall I think it was it turned out to be slightly more than okay of a show. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's not a. I'm not saying that it's a particularly great show. It's definitely not in my top five or ten or anything like that. But it improved more than I expected it to, and I ended up enjoying myself. So I think it was. I think it was a fairly good show at the end. It's harmless. Hmm. It, it's it's a very it's a very gripes aside. It's it's yeah exactly. It's it is middle of the road it's peanut butter jelly you know it's mm-hmm. just yeah it, it's just fine yeah it's the kind of show that i i mean i guess you could you know how you call some movies junk food you could you could call this common rider junk food i guess it's it like a lot of junk food to go through though it is, a, it is. okay so 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 i like common rider saber in in some sense, um, I I I, enj- I enjoyed I enjoyed it. Oh really, Brody? <laughs> Why did we have this almost three hour podcast then? <laughs> so that I could tell you about all the times I didn't. <laughs> so that you could tell me the back down. <laughs> so no, okay, okay. Here here's here's what it is. For me, my experience with Saber was severely hurt by. Just, I mean, I, where, where Yas had low expectations, I came in really excited for the show. And that was a mistake. I didn't know what to expect going in. I was really excited for something that I thought it was going to be, and it just was not. Like, Grant, okay. Yes, uh, me as well. I did not know what it was going to be exactly, but I thought it was going to be all about the books and fantasy, and it just wasn't. And that is what hurt my experience for the most part. But a big chunk of my, a big reason why I didn't enjoy it as much is because of the, um, as, as Kevin said, patchwork story, um, things not fitting together and not making a lot of sense. And why, why are they doing it this way instead of this way? And, and what, what on earth is Wonder World? There's a lot to critique about Saber. And I am, and believe me, I, I, I love to get critical about things. But at the end of the day, it's not a bad show. I, I, I definitely don't dislike it the way I could say that I dislike a fair chunk of Common Rider Ghost, for instance. Um, but, like, it's, it's, it's a decent show mm-hmm. that you just can't be looking too deep at. You, you, you take it at surface level, you turn off your brain, you watch some Kamen Rider Saber, cool swords, do the slashy slash, and that is that is Kamen Rider Saber in a nutshell. Uh, for me, I think it's I think I think the characters are end up end up being worth looking at into the show, and I and I feel like for me the uh, the through line for a lot of the story, or at least the ex- the escalation of events makes a lot more sense than other shows that I've seen in recent years. Like the escalation made sense for me for the most part. I can see where you're getting at. Yeah. Although 
poorly executed at some points. There's at least right. There, there's a there's a paper trail of how you get to the beginning and the end, and it makes sense. A Some of the trail. gaps between the papers are much greater than others. <laughs> paper trail. Yeah. Should have said read between the lines. Oh. On that note, I think we can probably call it an episode. Is there anything else anybody else wanted to say? Because I think we should probably wrap this up now. I like the music. That's oh, that is one thing we I I want I do want to make sure I mention is that I noticed like getting towards the end of the show like the last ten episodes or so maybe, um, they had a lot of uses of, of insert songs that impressed me. Um, Rewrite the story is such a good insert. Oh yeah, I was really impressed by that. I didn't see that coming. I mean, like I had heard about it forever ago, but I like I. Real talk, I binged the last, like, seven, eight episodes today, so. I caught that. Yeah. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those insert songs, absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, I was really impressed when I found out uh, about, um, like, like, I didn't realize that Tokyo Ska Paradise was the big deal that they are because I am not a ska person, nor am I really a big music person in I'm general. I'm into ska. I'm a slut for ska, and I didn't know they existed <laughs> until Saber. One of, so, so, well, <laughs> wait, wait, common. I know what I but said. But Common Rider O's. But Common Rider O's. Did they do the sound? Did they do the soundtrack for? Uh... They didn't. They didn't. Yeah, I like. Uh, I, I, I love ska. Oh, I, I was. Oh. Birdie, was, Birdie was just mentioning that there was Scott in O's. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. that too. I ate up O's because of that. Yeah, no, a friend of mine is like a huge fan of Scott. Like their whole fi- whole thing is Scott, and so I mentioned, oh hey, you know, there's this uh, gr- uh, this group that you might want to look into that did the song for my Common Rider show. Um, since you like Scott so much, they're called Tokyo Scott Paradise, and they're and this person's like Brody. They're like a big band. I know them. They played in the Olympics. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I didn't know that when I said this originally. <laughs> like, or actually, no, that might have actually been what started the conversation because I was like, "Oh, hey, this band is playing in the Olympics. They did the Common Rider theme song or whatever." I don't know. Do, do, do you know this band? And it's We're like, yes, again. But I will, like, I will, I will say that forgetting the music, uh, Toei and Avex have been bringing in bigger names. To, yeah. Or to get involved in the openings. Yeah. They really knocked it out of the park. Almighty is great. Yeah, I love Almighty. Um, there's one track, and they played it a lot in uh, episode 48, the Revice crossover, that it's just like the beginning of it. It's just like a little bit of a, I don't know what to call it, like a, like a, like a flute, for lack of better words, sounds exactly almost exactly like the same like three tones that the song of storms from legends of the ocarina of time starts out with <laughs> sounds so close to it i couldn't help but i was like wait did they just steal from zelda i could not help but to put two and two together yeah uh okay i think yes your final thoughts on the show yeah i already Anything. gave my final thoughts um okay. i mean no, I, I, I think I've said everything I needed to say. Really, <laughs> I think we're all in all, common rider. All in all, it's okay. It's fine. 
then shall we close the chapter on this one? The pen is mightier than the sword. Write your own story. (laughs) On that note, or the multiple (laughs) notes. They didn't do a freaking pen sword. Thank you guys for being on the podcast. I also want to thank Max for being on the podcast. Uh, He had to leave early, but thank him. I want to thank him for being on. Um, And yeah, that's it for this episode of Token Net Podcast. Uh, We'll see you next time. And until then, have a good day. Tokenet Podcast is the official podcast of the Tokusatsu Network, your source for official Tokusatsu news and media. If you like our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. You can always find Team Tokenet online on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and of course our website, tokusatsunetwork.com. Network.com.